yeah. You're Gentlemen, you're we're here. live. All right. All right. So we have a special podcast for you here today. It's uh, the ultimate uh, fighter two heavyweight winner, the former UFC light heavyweight champion, 2019 inducted into the UFC Hall, Hall of Fame, the one and only Rashad Evans. Brother, it's good to have you on, man. Thank you. Truly. Thank you for having me on, guys. Yes, it's very good to have you on. You know, uh, I got to tell you guys a story yesterday. David texts me over and over and over again. He says, Pat, I totally understand Gerard being in this podcast, maybe even Adam. But I, I don't think Tom fits for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's hey, Tom going to talk about? And I said, listen, let him be in there. You know, Tom's going to maybe give a different perspective, but it's good to be with you. Folks, if you're tuning in, Paul Escarciga, who's one of our wonderful, fantastic editors, who uh, 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 is a, a great team player and creates jobs for other people, but he... Paul uh, got punched in the face by Chuck Liddell. You keep forgetting yes. his name. <laughs> he got punched in the true. face by Chuck Liddell a couple years ago. We when went to his now? house, and he wanted to find out how hard Chuck hit. So he put mm -hmm. the headgear on, he put the gloves on, Chuck hit him, and he was gone for a minute, right? Oh, man. So he's trying to find out whether you punch harder or he does, and you said you're committed to it later Yeah, I'm on. committed to it, but here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to hurt the dude. Yeah. I mean, like, I well, mean, maybe don't go 100%. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Just, just give him a nice give little him tap. Give him one for him okay, to feel, okay, just for okay. him to so have some memories of you when you leave. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> this is David. Go 150%. <laughs> <laughs> David and Paul got into it, so he'd like to see you knock his ass out. Anyway, so, Paul, brace for impact. We're going to do it on the second half, and then we're going to watch... Uh, Masvidal street fighting video and get some feedback from you, maybe even a commentary of what you see with a guy like this fighting. Because I know we got a, he's got a fight coming up, right? He's got yeah. a, a fight coming up with Kobe. Curious to know what you think about that. But, he's got a fight coming. Yeah, up. I know he's got also a fight coming yeah. up, of course. But he, but uh, you know with that that right there because of a uh, Masvidal also with Kobe going at it would be curious to know what he says about it. So Rashad, I um, I I've been to a lot of fights, but you had a fight coming up, and I followed your fights. You were. You were something else, man, watching your fight. You're, I'm, I'm, we're the same age. I think you and I are maybe a year apart. I don't know exactly how old you are. 42, I'm 43. So same era. I'm watching. You're coming up. I'm just watching how you're fighting. Uh, my buddy, Lane Cooper, who was one of our VPs in the company, I took him to the fight. It's his birthday yesterday, but happy birthday, Lane Cooper. Uh, took him to go watch you and uh, Jackson fight, which was insane to go watch you fight. But walk us through the past, man, how you got into Everybody's got a different story how they get into the UFC. What's your story coming up? Uh, well, I was in Lansing, Michigan, and uh, I was um, working at this bar, and uh, I was just graduated from college, and I was, you know, doing a little bit of bouncing work, and a fight broke out, and um, I was a UFC fan back in the day, and I used to watch it back in 1993 when it first came out, so it went through that dark area where not a lot of people knew about it and knew what was going on with it, and a fight broke out, and the guy was like, oh, man, he put him in a rear naked choke. Now, when he said that, uh, it kind of like, I was like, oh, okay, not many people know what that was. So then I started to inquire, you know, okay, you know, how'd you know what that was? And then he said that he trains NHB because it was called No Holds Bar at the time. And I was like, okay, where you do that at? And he told me where he did it at. And, um, you know, we went to the gym the following Monday and it was this beat down, run down, like dilapidated building and it had rats and stuff in it. And uh, we go in there, this building, and I'm thinking I'm about to get set up and robbed. I'm like, oh, man, this don't seem safe at all. In Michigan, In Michigan, Detroit yeah. Detroit area. Lansing, <laughs> Michigan. It was just like a very seedy area. And uh, we go to the room where they're training at. And it's a little small room, like 12 by 9. And these guys are just beating the hell out of each other. They're just, like, taking turns, you know, going against each other, just, like, 
full-on sparring, just nothing I ever seen before. So uh, I went and I tried it that day, and I was, like, hooked. So I kept on going there and kept training with those guys. And then after a while, you know, we just got tired of beating the hell out of each other. And it was like a real-life fight club. Like, you know, it was like doctors, lawyers, and, like, you Underground know, type of Underground situation. type of guys. Yeah, and that's what, that's what we'll do for training. But we were just beating the hell out of each other, so we wanted some new meat. And uh, we started to uh, – we linked up with uh, Dan Severin. And Dan Severn was in Coldwater, Michigan, so we started driving out to Coldwater, Michigan and training with those guys. Now, at the time, Dan Severn was doing his, uh, his fight promotion, which was in Indiana, Angola, Indiana, and on the Indian reservations because the UFC at the time was only allowed to be in Vegas. And, and Dan was like, oh, I'm going to have you know, the only show outside of, uh, of Vegas. You know? So we'll fight on these Indian reservations. And uh, Dan, Dan Severn was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame and then he said to me, uh, you know, I have an opportunity to have one of my, you know, they'll look at one of my guys. Uh, but the thing about it is, um, you know, have you heard of The Ultimate Fighter? And I was like, yeah, I heard of The Ultimate Fighter. I watched the first season. And then he says, okay, uh, well, they're doing a second season, but it's heavyweights, though. And he said, you're way too small. You're like, you know, 195 pounds. And I was like, I can be heavyweight. So I just started eating a lot of carbs and just bulking up as big as I could get. And, um, you know, I got on The Ultimate Fighter show. And from there, uh, I won the Ultimate Fighter show, and then that, that's how my UFC career started. But it was, uh, you know, started in Lansing, Michigan. Now, were you, were you a fight? Like, if, in, if we're in high school, did you have a reputation for a guy that don't mess with Rashad? Did you have that kind of reputation? Yeah, I, I, was, a scrapper. Okay. I was a scrapper <laughs> in high school, yeah. At, at what age did people know? Like, at what age you knew you could fight? Oh, man, probably like in, um, probably like in fifth grade, I was... I was fighting in fifth grade. You were grade. that dude Got in it. fifth grade that's like, oh, he's going to roll up on you. Fifth grade. Stuff. Well, I mean, because I went, I went to like a majority white school. so Kick you know, all those white boys' ass. Well, all of I, I was always a target. You know what I'm saying? You know, they always say stuff. So, I mean, I, I would fight on the way home from school. Uh, walking home from school, my brother would make me fight people. He would make you fight people? Yeah, he'd tell me to fight them. In what ways? It's just, hey, that guy said something to you, go, not, go fight him? Or yeah, what? I mean, if like, somebody like, looked at me a certain way, he'd be like, yo, go fight him. And if older, I didn't, older brother, older brother, yeah. <laughs> and if I didn't fight that guy, then he 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 beat me up. So I was he a him. fighter? Was he a tough guy himself? Yeah, he was he was a tough guy. Yeah, he was a sounds like guy. he was more like a promoter, Don King guy. <laughs> Just, All right, go fight that guy. Well, I mean, Take his is, lunch money. Yeah, and you he, can beat that guy. We're gonna come here next he, week. Yeah. And you're gonna beat you his know, big is it because you were scared of your older brother and didn't want him to whoop your ass? Was it just like you had that itch inside? What was that relationship with your brother? Well, I mean, you know, I was scared of my older brother, but at the same time, him and I will fight all the time. You know, mm -hmm. and. And, um, you know, we just we just grew up fighting. How many years so. older is he than you? He's two years older than this me. This is like Tico and Dylan. Yeah, yeah, kids. So, so Dylan yesterday for the first time said something very weird to me. And, you know, he's taking classes right now. He's going to Barra three times a week, two times a week. And he's His middle son is just an absolute stud. Swim every day. Stuff. And he's now doing soccer. He's doing all these other things. Like just one of these guys that's very athletic. Like you see him, you're going to say, this guy's going to play something, right? Yeah. The Middle Eastern Bojack. But he just loves, like he loves fighting. Like there's something about it that he likes. He's mm -hmm. eight years old. First time he's ever said something like this. He says, Dad, one day I'm going to be the greatest fighter in the world. I wow. said, what? He's he never Like he's wow. never said I'm going to be the greatest anything. Just out of nowhere, he just said, Daddy, I, you know what? I, I want to also learn how to box. I want to also learn how to do this. So, by the way, you got to keep this in mind. We don't watch videos. Like, we don't sit here and say, let's watch this fight video. Let's watch this YouTube video. Mm -hmm. This guy's taking Barra. His coach has inspired him, and he says, I want to be the best fighter in the world one day. So, it's, it, I don't know if it starts it's, there or not. I, obviously, a lot of kids probably have said this before, but he has that. 
Can I say one thing yeah. about Dylan? You're, we're making him sound like he's some asshole, tough, like the sweetest, sweetest nicest guy. kid. Yeah. So the fact that he wants to be the it, it makes no sense yeah. because he's. It's such almost a, like you. You're such a, like a just a sweet, nice guy. At least from what I can tell so far. Well, once knocking, Paul comes to your different yeah, exactly. side, going to show up. But it's interesting. How do you balance like the sugar, the sweet side, with just knocking mofos out? How does how does that duopoly work? Well, I mean, it's um, you know, it, it's I, I'd say whatever bothers me in life. And I just leave it for for the training. You know, I learned at a, at a young age to kind of, um, you know, learn how to uh, put my frustrations into sports and things like that. So now it just becomes second nature to me. So outside and in real life, you know, I'm just kind of calm and just relaxed mm -hmm. and I can take a lot of shit. And then when it comes to a switch, it's a switch. Yeah. So, 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 OK, so let's uh, let's go through uh, uh, one question that I had for you is so. You're, when you're 22, so you're, when you were 32, you fought uh, John, who was 24. Am I saying that correctly? It was 32, th 32 to 24, and his reach was 84 and a half, I want to say. You were 75. You know, uh, weight, obviously the same. Height, he had you on, uh, you know, whatever, however many inches he has you on. Because he's a taller yeah. guy. He's a six four five. But he came through. You were, you were like an older brother. So you haven't seen a different side of him. He's nice right now. Believe me. Rashad's got a I've different side of him. I've seen his highlights. Well. Yeah. But, but I'm I not want, talking trash. But I want to go back and ask a question here about coming up. So if you were 22 today and you know you can ball, you know you can hang in there, you know, like, listen, I think I can take this guy uh, down. I think I can fight this guy. But the comp structure and the opportunities are different today than they were when you were 22, right? right? You're seeing this whole thing with Jake Paul and Dana going back and forth and, hey, pay him this and pay him that. And then you're seeing what Jake is making. You're seeing what Woodley made with a fight. You're seeing what Mayweather is doing, what Connor did. So the model's different. You got boxing oh, yeah. route. You got the YouTube route. You got the UFC route. What, how different of a game plan would you have today with your wisdom today being 42, 20 years older than me and 22? What would you tell the 22-year-old Rashad Evans today which route to take? Well, I mean, it's all about now um, getting the following. You know, we live in such a culture right now where it's all about the following and, you know, getting the people's interest, you know, whatever it may be that you do that stands out among the crowd, you know, accentuate that and really stand upon that and really start to push yourself in that direction. And then from there, you know, you can start to navigate which fights that you want because, you know, the promotion or whatever it may be, they're going to make sure that they put you in a position where they can get the return for your value because it's all about the value. You know, people want to pay you for what you're value for. If you don't have the value, you can be the best fighter in the world, but you're not going to get that money. So, so in other words, would you say you'd be somebody that'd be documenting your vlogs, your fights, your training to get a YouTube channel, to get a few million subscribers, and then maybe have some of the Instagram. How, how would you create that following? Would you take the Jake Paul route? Would you take the Logan Paul route? Would you take the Connor route? What, what route would you take? You know, uh, there's somebody, somebody doing it really well right now, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's he's um, sick. Stole yeah, your yeah, nickname, yeah. by the way, bro. Yeah, but that's all right. I mean, though. we're gonna he's, run up on that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all right though, because the thing about it is he, he's he's owning it. You know what I'm saying? He's making it his own. And um, you know, this kid, if if you watch him, you know, uh, can you pull him up so people know who he is? Crazy hair, white boy yeah, skinny. Crazy hair, white boy skinny. Uh, but he's he's a very interesting character. Yeah. You know, he um, he's he fun does, to look at. He's fun to look at, but he's he's got personality, and he mm -hmm. just he just comes to life. And 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 what he does is not only uh, does he talk a good game? Um, he fights like crazy. He knocks people out, even though I feel like his level of competition should be a bit higher. But that's what happens when you have that following. When you have that following.
going, they bring you along the right way because they don't want to ruin you in order before they get the full value out of you. And, and that's one thing that he does really well. He's really good on social media. He's really good uh, with his YouTube, breaking down fights and all mm-hmm. those things. And, and he just has the interest that, you know, he, he speaks to the uh, the demographic of today mm-hmm. and the huge following. So so you would you would advise, you would, like you yourself would still go the UFC route. You would still go the UFC route yourself if you were 22 today, except you would pay more attention to the social media following? Or would you say, I'm going to go try to get part of a, you know, De La Hoya camp, I'm going to go part of the Canelo camp, I'm going to go try to be a boxer because that just pays more. You know, Canelo got a, you know, 12 fight, $360 million contract, whatever the number was, some insane number that he got, right? I'm going to go take that route. Or no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work my way up on the UFC side and be the next whoever. What 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 route would you take? I would say go to UFC route because of the Still. fact with yeah well because of what boxing is that you know um, for so long before you can even get to that level I mean Jake Jake Paul has been able to do something extraordinary because of the fact that he's built himself up way high before he even put himself in a position to box so that's like an anomaly out of the whole situation but you know with the UFC you know you can start off and really grow in an organization and and if you're like a guy like Sean O'Malley, they'll bring you along the way and you can develop your skills at the same time, you know, by and, and develop uh, who you are outside of the cage as well, yeah. too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just very, very curious because, you know, a lot of young guys see, see everybody and they're kind of like, what do I do now? Yeah. What route do I go now? So, you know, you've seen a Jake, you know, what was it? Did you see the number that came out? Highest paid athlete under 25. Did like you see that number? $45 million he made $45 million he made last year. Man. Highest paid athlete. No, go to the one with I want to see Gerard versus Jake Paul. I want to see that. The highest paid athlete under 25. Type in under 25. Uh, five days ago, right there. Go back. No, that's five years ago. Go back. It's the one right there. Jake Paul. Um, put news. Go type in in the news. Yeah, because it's right there. Click on that one right at the top. Go up. It should show the list of people. Go under the ads. Right there. Click on that. Uh, is that the one or no? Uh, no, because he's not a female. Go back. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Uh, go up. Go, go. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Anyways, he made forty-five million bucks last year. That's the number they put him as a highest-paid athlete under the age of twenty-five. Look at his tweet right there. If you go down below, what do you say? <laughs> highest-paid athlete under twenty-five. 25. Wow. Jake Paul. It, it's an unsu- yeah. it's an unsustainable model though, because not everybody can get in the ring and actually take punches. It's a very, very it, it, the the promotional side of it. You're talking about Sugar Shane O'Malley, and you, you know the thing that Sugar Shane O'Malley has is world class striking skills. He's not just a clown out there, right. you know. And they've done this with other guys, with all due respect. I mean, you know, they tried this with Sage Northcutt, right? Like they were like, this guy's going to be Captain America, and then they got him in the ring, and what happened, right? So I mean, it takes a, a very, very special type of human being that wants to get in there, and and it's not just the, I mean. He'll tell you better than anybody else. It's not the it's not the nine minutes in the ring. It's the nine weeks of sparring leading up to it. And if you don't do that, yeah, you know. So I mean, you're when you first were coming up with Dan Severn, that's crazy, man. I mean, you know, did you ever consider like the K one stuff and the pride fighting and going overseas and all that also and doing the Grand Prix? Yeah, I actually wanted to do that to do that first. Um, you know, I was a big fan of Rampage at the time, mm-hmm. and I was a big fan of the whole. 
you know, the whole Japanese market when it came to the uh, the pride fighting. And I like the rules of kicking each other in the head when they're down. I, I, it felt like that you're, was my you're style. A sick <laughs> it felt like it was my style, but um, the UFC came first, and it was just you know a better opportunity because of the UFC was growing at the time. You know, the first season of Ultimate Fighter was really the birth on a. Um, on a you know uh, a, a big level for the UFC you know when it comes to popularity and just coming out of the dark ages of of not knowing who it was you know not knowing what it was so being on the second season uh, I felt like I was part of something at the ground level and uh, just being part of the UFC growing with them has was been you know huge experience and you won the second season right yeah and when the were you heavyweight the coach? though heavyweight, heavyweight. And heavyweight. And he won championship as a light a light yeah. heavyweight but he won when were you the coach uh, season ten. Season 10, yeah. and the other coach was Rampage. Rampage yeah. uh, and you had Brendan Schaub on your team, who was on the podcast yeah. recently. So quick questions. I see Rampage. I know you, you beat his ass. That guy's got, like, the scariest-looking face ever. Like, I see that guy. <laughs> I don't mess with that guy. Just quick thoughts on Rampage, and the, the, you guys got into it. And then also Brendan Schaub, who was on the podcast. Thoughts on his career? Yeah, uh, me and Rampage, it was a very uh, highly uh, hot season. You know, him and I, we'll, we'll go to the point where um, we'll fight every single day, you know, to the point where the production staff was like, hey, guys, I know you don't like each other, but, you know, you guys got to find a way to calm down a little bit because we got to be able to shoot the scenes and mm -hmm. stuff like that because it was just like... Uh, the first time in the history of reality television, the production staff is like, why don't you guys not be yeah. so <laughs> I mean, it, we, it was just unruly sometimes, yeah. you know. It would get, it'll get bad and... Uh, you know, it the was talking, just, though. Yeah, the trash You guys talking. weren't fighting. You guys were no, we, just we talking were, smack. But it, it came to a, a, a couple times where it was almost like we were going to fight, you know? Yeah. The and famous door scene. Yeah, you the know? famous yeah. door yeah. scene. Yeah, so it, it got pretty contested uh, quite a bit. But um, that season was probably uh, the, the funnest season of The Ultimate Fighter. And, uh, you know, looking back on it. You know, uh, Chael Wanderlei, I can't let you get close, no, I mean, man. I mean, that, that was a good one, too. They actually fought. They yeah. actually scrapped that one. But I mean, the, the the one with me and Rampage, it was good because you know it built up from the Ultimate Fighter season. Then mm -hmm. he didn't fight me because he had that movie with uh, um, the, A -team, the A Team, and then we ended up fighting. So it was a little bit more of a build up to the actual fight, and it you know it, it was it was a good fight, you know. But now uh, me and Rampage, we got a chance to uh, actually do a movie together. We did a movie together um, called Boss Level. We played German twins, so we kind of got to chance to you know speak about what happened before. And you said German twins. German twins. We Did were you, German twins. Do you have twins. a good German accent? What do you got? Not at all. You we don't want to fight on the rampage. And then no. what about Schaub? Uh, Brendan Schaub. You know, I knew Brendan Schaub back in the day when he was you know first starting off with mixed martial arts. You know, we would train out in Denver with uh, Trevor Whitman and Nate Marquardt and those guys. You know, it was like uh, Jackson's gym. And then we'll go to Colorado and train at Grudge Gym and go to TriStar. So we would go and train with Brendan Schaub when he was first starting off. And uh, when I when I found out I was going to do the Ultimate Fighter season, you know, I really a strong advocate for getting him and uh, getting him into the show. And um, you know, Brendan Brendan was phenomenal, man. Brendan was like, you know, a diamond in the rough. He just didn't know how good he was. You know, he was one of those guys who um, I honestly believe um, had he not went on a streak where he got caught a couple times, he, he could have been somebody who, who really done something really? in the UFC. Yeah, really? he was Brendan was good, man. Brendan was good, man. He uh I know he had that, that tough talk with Joe Rogan when Joe Rogan yeah. ta told him to yeah. sit down. But, you know, it's um in the heavyweight division you can get caught and knocked out. You know, it's it's very easy for that to happen. 
And at some point, you have to modify your game. You know, you have to be able to understand the fact that you can't sit there and exchange blows like you can at a, at a smaller weight class. So you have to be able to be able to use different tactics. I mean, you know, throwing some punches and doing a little bit of cage wall and brawl and kind of just gumming up the action a little bit more and not doing so much of the, you know, standing at the 50-50 and see who lands first. Well, Rashad, let me ask you that. I mean, you came from a brawling background. I always thought you came from a wrestling background. But if you came from a brawling background, you know, one of the most impressive things is when a fighter switches it and they go from being able to inflict damage to being able to not let someone inflict damage. I mean, one of the things with Floyd Mayweather, I think is one of the most impressive things he never gets credit for. This guy for 20 years had the best in the world trying to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And he just wouldn't let them. Defense. Like he yeah. was completely that's the like the art of it, right? So I mean, when did you in your career go from switching that mentality from like, dude, I can hurt these dudes to you know what, these guys can't hurt me. I know exactly what to do to stop them from from getting me. Um, well, I started to use all my attributes. You know, at one point, you know, you kind of fall into the style because you coach by different people and you want to do, you know, what they're telling you to do. But then you have to realize what makes you unique. And what made me, me unique was the fact that I was able to move. You know, I was very shifty. Very I high had, energy at that point. Yeah, way. very high energy. So I, I, I utilized my movement more. And then when I could, I would utilize my grappling and, and, you know, jam up the action so I wasn't sitting there just, you know, throwing punches with these big dudes because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you get caught with one of those big shots and you, you, you're you not going to be standing for too long. You get caught by too many because these four-ounce gloves are a very, you know, not much padding in them at all. And then underneath the four-ounce gloves, it's like you have a cast on because your your hands are wrapped. So it's a very, uh, very strong you, you punch. You just saw that with Stipe and, and Ngannou, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Stipe's trying to control the pace, and Ngannou's just waiting. All he needs is that one right hand. And, and especially with a guy like Ngannou, he got that in accidental power where he just, like, he just moves around <laughs> and he just knocks and knocks Is that the baddest out. man on the planet right now, Ngannou? Yeah, I mean, he, he is, man. Ngannou is something special. That's your number one baddest man on the planet right now. I would say so. I would say. I mean, but he has a very tough fight with uh, with Serial Gun. So, so let me let me go back to the questions. I was trying to get to a point there. Uh, the question was, what do you, what do you think about what's going on right now between Jake and Dana? Um, you know, uh, Jake is being Jake. You know, Jake Jake brings up a lot of good points, but at the same time, you know, um, it, it's a different ball game. You know what I'm saying with mixed martial arts. Um, there there are some things that uh, you know does need to get better with mixed martial arts when it comes for you know, uh, advocating rights for, for fighters and things like that. But um, I think the UFC's done a, a very good job of where they came from and where they're getting to right now. You know, we forget that all these other sports, you know, they've had a long time to get to where they are right now. You know, baseball, football, the, the big three. And uh, it just takes time. You know, the UFC is moving in a progressive manner. I don't believe that the UFC holds their fighters down. I think that, you know, they, they, uh, they take care of the fighters. Um, you know, could, could fighters pay be better? Yeah, I think so, you know, but at at the end of the day, um, there are fighters who make, you know, crazy bank, you know, fighting with the UFC. And, um, you know, when it comes to the the pay that's even distributed between the, the non, you know, non-big name fighters, I think that it's very comparable to, to boxing and other leagues like that, too. You know, you know, Gerard made a very good point yesterday. He got me thinking. If, you know how they say... Uh, 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 people get paid more paid in boxing uh, than they do in UFC, right? Okay, right. so I pulled it up. I'm like, let me see this here. Top 10 highest paid boxers, okay? I don't know what it is. Joseph Parker is number 10, okay? Highest paid boxer. And blah, 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 blah. Let's see the results. He made $3 million, 
okay, guaranteed purse, 2018, he made $10 million, okay? Last year. Yeah, right. I mean, then it's Michael Hunter, who has an estimated net worth of $3 million. He's the ninth highest paid boxer in the world in 2021, okay? So the ninth highest guy made $3 million. Then you got the next guy, then you got the next guy, next guy, and it goes all the way up to the top, Anthony Joshua, who made... Uh, $125 million in 2018, and he got a big offer for what he's going to get paid. He Tyson Fury's not even first place. He's second place. What Tyson Wilder made? is third place, right? Wow. And then you got some of these other guys. Well, Obviously, Canelo's got to be number one. Right? Well, Canelo's number yeah. one, but you look at some of these lists here. Canelo's, what, 360 or whatever they're uh, paying that guy? 2022. Let's look at the number here. If you can pull up 2022 highest paid boxers, I'm actually very curious if you match the two up I'm willing to bet the highest-paid UFC fighter makes more money than the highest-paid boxer, right, if you, if you match the two. So there, there is an argument. And then the other part is the following, is are there more UFC fights than actual boxing fights that we watch on TV? 100% there's more UFC fights. And here's another thing, the fact that, you know, if I'm a fighter and I'm getting paid a certain amount, yeah. I can put in my contract, I want this amount to be disclosed. And then I can, and then I can have the UFC pay me uh, whatever else outside of that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't, I don't have to have all of my money being disclosed. Explain that. Why? Like every NBA contract, MLB contract, NFL contract, it's pretty much disclosed. Why in the UFC is there so non-disclosure? So the UFC they pay the commission, and the commission pays the fighters, right? So I can have the UFC say that I make this amount of money and have them pay me that and give the commission that. But I can actually be getting paid a little bit more on the back end, you know, uh, and and just in just another way, you know. What I'm What's saying? the back end way? What is that? So the back end way would be like, so I, I, say say my contract was for like uh, um, three million dollars. Say okay, I want a um, million dollars to be shown, mm-hmm. but then pay me the other two million dollars. Give that to Tom. Go ahead. Pay me the other two million dollars <clears throat> just through the UFC, you know. So they, so that that can happen, you know. So you don't always have to have all your money being shown the, the much getting paid. Yeah, t- Tom, can you do me a favor? You know, to me, businesses get criticism for uh, how they run a certain model. Can you find out what is uh, uh, UFC's EBITDA? Like, what's their margin? Like, if they do, I don't know, $4 billion, do they keep 40%? Do they keep 10%? Do they keep 20%? If you can pull up that number. because This is why we got the biz doc. Yeah, no, no, I think that's very important because EBITDA. business got to run a margin and yep. you got to have, you know, the numbers around 20%. If... UFC, like, you know how some of these software companies you'll talk to? Uh, yeah, we've consulted quite a few of them. They'll have a software, and they'll do $10 million a year. But it's a software. I'm just giving you the software. Right. So I don't need to really do anything else. And their margins are 60%, right? Yeah. You got a lot of money. You can maybe pay your engineers better. But if you're running a business with operations, setup, this, this, that, and your margins are only 20%, a business has got to make their 20%. So meaning whatever Dana and those guys have done has worked, and it's made a lot of people rich. Can they improve in certain ways? If they could, what would you say would be a way they could improve it? Jake made his proposal saying take the 12000 or 50000 you know, health benefits, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say as a, as a UFC Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, um, health benefits would be one. But, I mean, I would, I would also say, uh, you know, some kind of um, portion of the money for the retirement. You know what I'm saying? For fighters who... Who 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 are done fighting? You Some know, sort of four hundred one k well, IRA and, 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 profit sharing. Well, okay, plan. so so say for instance this, like um, like, you know, if if I'm a fighter and I get paid for a pay per view, I should get paid 
any time that that fight is being shown, even after I'm retired. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's that could make it better. Like for instance, like any time the show Rashad Evans fight, I should be. Is that how it is in boxing? Does boxing do that or? No, I don't. I don't, I don't okay. think. I don't think boxing does it like that. But I'm saying that's something that could yeah. help. That's something that could help out because they're still getting money to pay. Like the UFC is getting money to, sh- you know, to mm-hmm. license it license to another it place. Yeah, so they're so, making some money on. So, yeah, okay. so, so they're making money on. Yeah. So if they're making money on showing a Rashad Evans fight, yeah. then Rashad Evans should get paid off of it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Even if I'm not fighting a current fight in the UFC. When I was in LA, I was uh, 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 handling finances for a few NFL players, and they would all complain about retirement. And I would say, hey, they don't pay this, they don't pay that, they don't pay enough, right? Uh, and then, but at the same time, it was, hey, you know, I always watch how you take care of your champions, okay? You can't take care of everybody, right. but how you take care of your champions. For right. example, like, you know how uh, 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 people can say whatever they want to say about Mark Cuban and who he is. He takes care of his best guys. Look yeah. at Dirk. He's been taken care of for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Dirk's like, I can go a lot of different places. Mess. I love my boss. I'll work over here. The guy gives me what he wants, so he takes care of him, Right. Do you do you think UFC takes care of their champions? Like not everybody, because I can see how that can be watered down. And this guy saying give me this, and that guy saying give me this. But there is a system for guys who were champions, right? Do they do that as their benefits for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, if I call Dana and ask him for anything, you know, he'd be like, yeah, absolutely. He seems like that. that yeah, type yeah, of guy, he, yeah. He's that guy. Dana's Dana's. Um, you know, he has a kind of persona out. You know, when you see him on camera, but you know. Dana's one of the coolest guys you ever meet, and he's and he's straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like you may not like what he says, but you're gonna know that he's speaking from the heart. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna know where you stand with him. And I can always handle that. You know what I'm saying? I don't always gotta like what somebody say, but if they're kind of you know shooting shooting straight from the hips, then I can accept that. And Dana's one of those guys. So um, and 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 you know he he does take care of his champions. You know he he um, he makes sure that he does whatever he can. You know he's he's one of those guys who who does things. And doesn't say anything about it. Like people doesn't people don't really know how generous Dana is and the things that he do do because he doesn't he's not one of those guys that say oh I did this and he and he doesn't brag about it at all. He just does it. So so would you say behind closed like Francis said the other day he had a private meeting with Dana and he said what a great conversation he had with him. Like he was very uh, uh, positive about the conversation. Would you say behind closed doors champions love Dana and have a great relationship with Dana? Absolutely. Okay, you know, I think that that's absolutely. that's the, the I think that right there finishes the conversation if you ask me. Is Dana White the greatest commissioner in the history of sports? You've had David Stern in the NBA, Paul Tagliabue in NFL, uh, Goodell, uh Bud Selig. Would, would you count Vince McMahon in that? Vince McMahon? Okay, but is Dana White That would, White be, that would there? be probably on the promoter side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be Is on, da- you know, mm-hmm. is he? I, I was I would say uh he he's definitely up there. You know, when it comes to um just being the guy who's you know, able to relate on so many different levels. You know, that's that's what Dana does. Dana can uh, come at you from a different perspective, and he can understand where you're coming from. And he doesn't uh, he doesn't big time you. You know, and that's and that's 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 a huge thing because you know sometimes when you don't have the same value that they can get out of you, people have the tendency to kind of dismiss you. Hmm. But Dana Dana doesn't do that, and that's one thing that you know um, I can say that you know stands high in his you know in, in his character and who he is as a person because he always makes sure to you know yeah he'll return a text you know, no matter how busy he is he'll return a text he'll return a call so you know he, he's one of those guys so you know what i'm really impressed by the wide perspective you take on the sport here you're talking about 
you're talking about the leader of the sport, you're talking about the sport itself, you're talking about guys you fought. You know, there was a time when Peyton Manning, they said, hey, the NFL is Peyton's league. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And it was because owners trusted him by and large, but he also influenced the competition committee. He influenced the rules committee, definitely did a lot for the Players Association. Yeah, I got it right here. Okay, good. And um, it, was, it was really tremendous, and he used that platform to really help. And I think he's really proud of that. You sound like you really take a broad perspective. Your, your record as a fighter is there. 2008 is legendary, right? And everything that you did that year. What do you want like, the young fighters and people that look to you to see your impact in the sport that maybe was beyond the octagon where you used your, your platform there to help the sport? Um, well, uh, I've been trying to do, you know, a few things, you know, um, you know, for one, I started a team and I've had some fighters who I've developed and they become champion, like Kamaru Usman and, you know, that's uh, your guy. Yeah. That, that, that was my guy, you know, oh, um, number one right now. He's yep, ranked. Yeah. 2022. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I started a whole movement, a whole team, you know, a, a big team has grown, you know, because of me even moving here to South Florida and starting the we, Black Zillions. You were part of Black Zillions? Yeah. Huh? You I'm started the, Black Zillions? I started Black Zillions. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was me. Uh, Jazeus, uh, Yuri Villafort, and um, and uh, Bigfoot, and a few other mm -hmm. guys. Um, so we 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 started the Black Zillions, and it grew to be one of the biggest teams. Uh, you know, competing with it was kind of the NWO for a little bit. It, it was, was like it was it was like the New World Order taking over there for a little bit. And the Black Zillions, and uh, you guys had the whole. Uh, actually, it was more like Degeneration X if you're a wrestling fan. Like you guys, <laughs> you guys came in, and you guys were, were were the were the out. You guys were the underdogs and the outcasts and. It did. It took off, and then uh, the Black Zillions, the uh, the owner, did, it was did the owner pass away? Is that yeah, what the happened? Yeah, the owner uh, passed away. Glenn Robinson passed away, and you know it transitioned to Sanford MMA. So that's what it is now, gotcha. Sanford MMA. But um, and it was American Top Team. Uh, you guys were competitors with American Top Team, correct? Yeah, we went against American Top Team in the Ultimate Fighter Show, mm -hmm. and we beat them in the Ultimate Fighter Show. So I mean, that's that's pretty. You know, pretty high praise because of the fact that American Top Team's been around for so long, and they've you know they're they're at another level when it comes to their training facility and the athletes they come out of their gym. Mm. So I mean, it, it's it was very you know very good to be able to show that what we could do in just right. a short amount of time that we did it. But that'd be a great ESPN thirty for thirty to Black Zillions, man. That's, I'm you, guys, you. you guys had a had a had a wild run there for a little bit. Absolutely, but I mean, you know, to, to answer your question, you know, um, Trevor Whitman and myself, Trevor is uh, the designer of this, you know, equipment company called Onyx, because when you look at the sport, you know, there's things in it that, you know, uh, you know, you want to make safer, you know, you always see about the gloves and eye pokes and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, some of these injuries that happen, you know, 70% of the injuries, they happen outside of training. And that usually is due to the fact that, you know, unlike any other sport, when, you know, when it comes to football or, um, you know, um, hockey or whatever, when it comes to these uh, contact sports, you know, every single year, their equipment is being improved, you know. But when it comes to combat sports, you know, the, the boxing glove hasn't been improved since they attached the thumb to it. And, you know, with MMA, you know, the glove hasn't really been improved since they uh, opened the straps up, so it's easier to put the glove on. But um, we wanted to do, and Trevor Whitman is, is the, you know, the genius behind this, you know, he designed a whole glove that made it so that, you know, it's really hard and almost impossible to poke somebody in the eye. But more importantly, it offers the perfect support. You know, he had this system in a glove that offered the perfect support. And he had a whole list of gear that was like that, you know, when it comes to shin guards, knee guards, and, and just a whole uh, equipment line that he designed and behind it. And that's what we want to uh, bring into the UFC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it's about, you know, we love to fight and fighters are fight doing anything, but, 
in anything. But at the end of the day, you, we have to remember that there's life outside of fighting and you want to be able to be able to, you know, walk and do the things that you like to do once you get done from fighting. So, you know, being able to uh, build up the equipment, help out these athletes in that perspective is something that we were trying to do. You think Francis has an argument? You think Francis has an argument on saying, I'm not, never going to fight for 500000 or 600000 anymore? Because here's what the article says. It says, uh, Naganu uh, details combo with Dana White, clarifies contract. By the way, he, Tom just pulled up the EBITDA, which uh, was emailed to Tyler in a moment. Tom, if you can explain to us what that means, we'll go through that here in a minute. But uh, Nagano has revealed what was said in a recent conversation with Dana White and also clarifies his contract status in the UFC if he defeats uh, Cyril uh, Gain next weekend. Speaking with you, ESPN Thursday, Nagano shared more intimate details of their conversation. It went pretty well. At this point, I'm not upset. I'm kind of chill about everything, and I went to him. We wished every, uh, each other happy holidays, and I tell him my frustration. I expressed to him how I would like to stay with the UFC, but I don't feel like UFC still wants me to stay, so I don't feel promoted anymore. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with, about that, and I don't see anything compared to what happened to different fighters. When I asked Dana uh, uh, White uh, in response to his observation, Dana uh, Nagano praised the UFC boss for being quick on his feet. He bring up... Uh, something really fast, and that's why you know that Dana White is very good. He tells me, like, yeah, we want you. Have you ever wanted to go somewhere and we didn't take care of you? I'm like, yeah, but I think it's more than that. Anyways, we, they went back and forth. All this. I've had this contract since 2017, and I think, you know, the $500,000, $600,000 to Nagano, him getting paid $500,000, You think he's getting underpaid? You think he's getting paid the right amount? Who's got the better argument? Because i got a follow-up to that for you. Uh, he should definitely be getting paid um, over $600,000 because when you look at his, his value when it comes to um, if he wasn't in the UFC, right? Say, you know, they walked and they went their separate ways. He can do a boxing match with, you know, uh, um, Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury uh, you know, Deontay Wilder and get paid millions and millions of dollars. You, know you think saying? Dana cares? Yes, I think Dana cares. N meaning, you think, you think Dana cares that Deont that he could go and fight one of those guys, make five to ten million, to the point where he'd be willing to match that pay to keep him there. He he knows his value. He knows what he has in Ngannou, okay. and, he, and he knows that. Um, but do you know what I'm asking? Like, yeah, like yeah. You, you know, like for example, I remember one time Shaq went to Pat Riley and he says, "Listen, man, you know, Miami Heat, you know, twenty million a year." And he called Jerry Butts. He says, "Jerry, you know, it's me or Kobe, man. Miami wants to give me twenty million. You know what Jerry told him? He said, "Take it." He said, because I'm not going to pay you $20 million. He I mean, says, go, take your, go get your money. So when he got yeah. his $20 million, because Shaq was at his end of his uh, right. career. He's like, dude, I'm not going to pay $20 million. And Jerry banked on, uh, what do you call it, uh, Kobe at the time rather than paying uh, Shaq. But in this case, isn't Francis like at his peak? Like, isn't he like at a, he's still got a few more years where he can go like this, right? He can sell out arena, sell out pay-per-view. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing about it, like, when you look at a heavyweight that can do what Francis does, it, it's, it just makes the whole league look better because, you know, there can be a lot of great fighters in other different weight classes, but 
heavyweight just says something. You know, the baddest man in the world has to be a heavyweight. It just kind of like, it just seems like that's just the, the right thing to be, right? You know, uh, no matter how good somebody is at 155, he's like, yeah, he's tough, but I mean, I probably can whoop his ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like Nagano would whoop Conor McGregor's ass. Yeah, right. Just, I mean, that's just... But there's no, there's no doubt when you see Francis fight but, and but you see him punch somebody that you know that he'll probably knock your head off into a stratosphere. You know, there's that fear factor. So having a heavyweight that can do what Francis does is is not, you know, not something that you just want to let go. And that's something that you value, uh, somebody who can close off the show, somebody who's going to bring you. So here's my follow-up to that. And this is, this is where I'm curious to know what you would say about this. Because, you know, so you got a uh, Francis who is a great fighter, but he's not a promoter. So he's not a guy that's going to go out there and promote, like let's just say Connor will promote, right? A Masvidal will promote. A Kobe will promote. Usman is not even a promoter. Usman's a great fighter, but right. Usman's not a, like, you know, people who want to watch Usman fight is because they want to see this guy, see if somebody can take him down. Yeah. They're not going to because he's a great promoter. He's doing this. He's not that guy. He just comes, shows up, does his job, and leaves. Matter of fact, I don't even think promoting is natural to him, right? I think it's natural to certain people. Do you think to Dana, Dana's... Dana's uh, uh, guy to build as a face of UFC is more somebody that's also great personality promoter rather than somebody that just shows up and fights? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a balance there. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, in certain fighters, everybody can't be the same. You know, if everybody was the same and everybody went out there and they talked trash and they, you know, tried to sell us, then it'd become very monotonous and boring at the same time because everybody's given the same thing. But there's a subtle confidence in, in Francis and there's just this... I wonder what's going to happen when he connects. You know, like this week, this fight is coming up this weekend. You know, he's Francis isn't saying much, but at the same time, the anticipation for it is very high. You know, you have Cyril Gaon in there, and you have Francis Ngannou. These guys are training partners. You know, uh, Francis' old training partner is now Cyril Gaon's training partner. And then there's this whole history about you know Francis may have knocked him out in training practice and whatnot. So th there's an anticipation, and there's many different ways to sell a fight. You know, if if I'm a promoter, I understand who I'm promoting. You know, sometimes guys need a less of a push than other guys. The guys who need more of a push, then that's when you have to start being a better promoter and get the people to want to see them. Yeah, and also you've, you've got guys like Khabib. You've got guys like George St. Pierre. Some of the biggest fighters of all time don't have to go out there and act like clowns. It's not the WWE. Mm -hmm. Some of those guys that aren't the great fighters that kind of know a little bit, this is my moment, I better get the most out of it. Those are the guys that go out there, and, and then you have like a Connor who's probably better on the mic than he is in the ring. So, I mean, yeah. the, you, you, you have something with Ngannou that there's – if he has any card to play with Dana, it's the fact that Dana, I think anyway, has been waiting patiently for the mega fight of the decade. He's been waiting two years for John Jones to get his weight up, and he wants that Ngannou-John Jones fight. So I don't think he's going to let him go. Ngano, John, Jar, are they even in the same weight class? Oh, yeah, they are. They are. John what? Jones, John Jones has gotten to be a heavyweight, and he's big, and he's you know he's got that that light light heavyweight mentality, meaning the okay. fact that he can fight in many different ways. He can wrestle. He can do jiu-jitsu. Who would be favored in that fight? I mean, it, <laughs> you're talking about arguably the number one UFC fighter in history. In history. I, I think, John I think Jones, the question right? is, is if ring if rust a real thing? Is ring rust a real thing? Yeah, ring rust is a real thing. It, it is a real thing. and um, But it also depends on like who you are as a fighter. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people go out there and they exhibit that kind of ring rust. But, I mean, when you're out for so long, yeah. uh, the game changes like that in subtle ways that 
um, if you're not in there, you don't you don't you don't even realize because there's so much that goes into being able to fight. You know, it's a it's more mental than it is physical when it gets down to you know fight week and, and mm-hmm. being in the cage on fight day. So you have to be able to. Uh, you know, bring yourself there a little bit every single day and stay on top of the mental game. If you don't stay on top of the mental game, then when you get out there, you can go out there and experience some ring rust. So you think somebody like John Jones, even one of the, maybe the single best fighter of all time, two years out of the ring, he's going to get that adrenaline dump, the ring rust, and then you have somebody like Ngannou in there. It, it's it, it, recipe for disaster. Or do you think John Jones is just so good? John Jones is so good, but there, there's something different about John Jones. Like John Jones... Uh, one thing that I, I really like about John Jones and I hold high praises for him for is because of the fact that, you know, his life could be falling apart around uh, a fight. But yet when he's in the cage, hmm. he's laser and focused and he's locked in. That right there is a talent that a lot of people can't can't do. You know, for me, I had a hard time juggling life outside and then getting inside the cage and not wow. letting it aff- affect my performance. So being able to do that is an art form in itself. And John Jones has been able to, you know, he's exhibited that time and time again. So it's hard to say if John Jones is going to go and fall for it and, you know, go and have the ring rust that you will anticipate anybody else being out as long as he who, who has do you, Who do you think will win if these guys face each other? Man, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one to call, to be honest. And I'm not just trying to say that to try to give a 50-50 answer. But, you know, you, you have Francis who is, you know, ha, has been a sponge, you know, Training with Francis and seeing Francis' growth from the time he started to where he is now, it's hard to say that he can't do all those things that a mixed martial arts fighters can do. You know, before it was like only he only had the big power. Well, now he can grapple. Now he can wrestle. Now he can defend takedowns. Now he has a better understanding of where the fight needs to be and how to get a guy to end his fight, you know. And then you have John Jones at the aspect, you know, who understands a, a great flow of a fight, has great defense, and at the same time, He's just very smart inside the cage. So it's a very tough one to call. But, I mean, here's, here's the thing that I think about when I think about this matchup is that, you know, when John Jones was at, you know, uh, 205, his last few fights he was getting caught with some punches, you know, and it was making him look a little bit more human. So I would say if he goes up to heavyweight and he doesn't patch up those holes, then he can get caught with a big shot and, and you peak, know, get knocked. Peak, peak of John Jones versus Francis. Ooh. Is it even? If it, uh, I'm talking peak, peak when John was peaking. Where well, you, you were in the ring with him yeah. when he was peaking. Yeah, yeah. John Jones is something special when he was peaking. I mean, to to fight to fight how John Jones used to fight, and, and back then it was just it was ridiculous because he was so um, he was so creative inside the octagon, and he had no fear. <laughs> So when you don't have any fear and you have that creativity, you're looking at somebody who is just absolutely dynamic. And then his athleticism and his range and everything else that he had. So I would say John Jones. You know, um, you know, people, you know, they don't want to give John Jones his credit because of the things that he's done and things like that. But you know, when you look at the talent, just of what he's been able to do, I mean, you just you got to give it to him because. He's he's working with a different set of skills when it comes to physically. I was, speaking I was using his elbow as a jab, like. Well, that's his only loss. <laughs> you know, his only also... loss is that elbow to the forehead, right? I mean, he, yeah. Where they stopped him, he's like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know you can't do this." It was just like natural to just him natural, to lay it on the guy. But but well, who's your top five? If you're you know you give your top five when the conversation comes up, you know, in every sport. There's that combo. Who do you put as an all-time great? And by the way, not by weight class. Okay. Just go go all. Uh, I would say John Jones is number one. I'll say uh, um, 
Habib. Gotta go with Habib. Two. Yeah, number two. Okay. I would say uh GSP. You put a you put a B above GSP. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put, and then I'll say um Kamaru Usman. Four. And I'll say Anderson Silva. You put Silva fifth. Yeah. Mm. There was a time also Silva was vicious, just nasty when he would fight. Yeah, I mean that these are guys that I like to fight. I mean, I, I love I love the way Habib fight, you know, and I think that, you know, um GSP is amazing too. GSP has been my training partner for years and just absolutely amazing when it comes to fighting. And his fight IQ is just on another level. As well. Who's he missing, Pat? There's someone on no, your top I, five. No, that no, you... no. I, I, listen, this is his world. <laughs> this but you is watch not, this. Gerard watches this. I do. Listen, the average person may who doesn't know the sport mm-hmm. technically is going to say, obviously, how about Conor McGregor not being the top five? Uh, but, but to put those names... These guys went on a streak. All of those guys went on a streak of 20 matches. Maybe I'm mistaken. I think it's all of them have gone 20-plus undefeated, right? Yeah. Obviously, John Jones, the only loss is the one that he had no clue what was going on. He started elbowing on the guy. Number two, you said Khabib, who is, what, 30, 28-0? Or 20, I don't know. Is, is 29-0. 29-0. Okay, so that's that guy. Three, you put GSP, who he went on a rampage for a while. Mm-hmm. Four, you said Usman, who right now is undefeated, isn't he? Yeah. No one's at, how many how many matches has he? What is Usman's record today? I couldn't even I think tell he's you. He's nineteen. Nineteen and zero. Pull okay. it up. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, Usman is Usman, and then you got five being Silva, Silva, who went for a while as well. So, give an honorable mention, yeah. bro. Who who's not on the uh, list? That, I, but, he's very very he's very company I biased mean, here. He's the, we got nobody from Pride. Fader doesn't get any any love, man. Oh, we man. Got, we mean, got we got nothing for uh, for any of the Gracies. We got no, I nothing. Mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about you know. He doesn't want his friends to get I mad say, at I him. I can say no. I can say I can say an honorable mention. I can say Fedor is definitely in there. I forgot all about Fedor. See, I forgot about Fedor, man. Yeah, man. I forgot about Fedor. Fedor, Fedor it can definitely be in the top five. I that's mean, got to be Dana Fedor. White's biggest mistake, right? That, that, that's got to be his biggest regret. You figured? I mean, yeah, I mean, Fedor. Not getting him? Is that over, what you Over a T-shirt? Tell the story. Well the, well, the story, as I understand it, is Fedor has his own, uh, his own clothing line. And he wanted to promote his own clothing line when he came to the... To Tyler, pull up this guy, Fedor. The, uh, and, and Dana said the no. Ring. Dana has a, a Reebok deal. You got to wear Reebok. Mm. And that's, that's but, that. But is that, is that on Dana the, the or is that a ever. UFC deal? They just could never come, come to... They can never come together on, on, the, uh, on the sponsorship. I wonder, if it's Dana, I wonder if it's the sport now. But Fedor, man. Fedor 20 years ago. I mean, Fedor was a the beast. fight on him and Randall, man. You can watch that on repeat yeah. and you'll never get tired of it. Just, Boss Rutten. I mean, yeah. some of the old school guys, too. Oh, and, yeah. and, and the rules were so different. The guys had to fight five times in a night. You can get you can five get times in a night. Grand Priest. Let me ask man. a different yeah. question. Let me ask a different question. So we just right now said fight fighters, right? And it's you like put you know John like Jones, match. Khabib, like GSP, Usman, and at the, at the bottom Silva, top five greatest promoters who were also good fighters. We don't even need to talk about number one. It's really who number two is because number one is obviously. Yeah. Do you put anybody above him? Muhammad Ali. But no, no, no. I'm talking I'm Connor, in, in their world. Oh, okay. In their world. Do you put anybody ahead of Connor as the greatest promoter who was a fighter, talk shit, shit talker, you know, um, troll, all of that? Nobody's greater than Connor. I okay. mean, I, I would say uh, number two will be uh, Chael Sonnen. Okay, he's Chael good. Sonnen be definitely number two. Uh, let's see, will be number three. Um, the Diaz brothers. Ah oh, man, yeah, they, they're very good at selling. I mean, but they don't even—they don't even mean to sell it. They're just themselves, yeah. unapologetic, unapologetic the themselves. Yeah. So you put them three, both of them. I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, those okay. guys, those guys can sell a fight. I mean, uh, let's see who else is on there. You think Kobe's a good promoter? Kobe, Kobe Covington is yeah. a great promoter. He's a good promoter. 
Uh, who, who else? Are we missing a name? Like, I'm trying to... I, see, see, he said Anderson Silva, and this is what I always loved about the Spider. The Spider barely spoke English, but he was such a performer inside the ring. Such a performer. He was... He, dude, he was promoting his next fight while he was yeah. beating the opponent. Did like, you, he was... You know, and, and you know, until... Uh, what's his name from Long Island? Caught him. Uh, like, and that's what you were saying. You do it for so long. You do it for so long, and all it takes is... Well, Chris Weidman Rashad. gets him one time. Yeah, well, dude, wait a minute. On okay. this story with Son, and then I want to go to yours... Is the press conference with Sonnen and and uh, and, uh, 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 and uh, Silva, where he says, "Look, all you guys are talking about English. Look, if I go to Brazil, I, there's an app to learn how to speak Brazilian. <laughs> this guy is not traveling here from Brazil. He lives in Vegas and he flies to. He lives in Beverly Hills and he flies to Vegas. I'm traveling all the way. You should feel sorry for me, not for this guy. He was a great smack talker. Uh, he, 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 he brought it. He was phenomenal, man. I mean, he he would practice his lines and he would just get it down to the point where. I mean, he he was just so fluid with it, you yeah. know. And he just, you know, he unlocked his talent. I think he's one of the big reasons to help, you know, Kobe Covington kind of come into his own and just, you know, be the uh, phenomenal promoter Kobe is. I mean, Kobe is, Kobe Kobe's up there, you know. Kobe Kobe's really good. Kobe says some stuff that, you know, he's kind of funny. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of funny the things that he says, and I think that. I think that's what that's what it has to be. You know, you have to you know be quick witted, but at the same time, kind of funny at the same time. The fight world needs a heel for sure. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Who's and, Kobe and fighting coming up? Masvidal. Masvidal. Who's favorite in that? Kobe for sure. For sure. Mm. For now, sure. You you said something very interesting. You said practice his lines. Are you, are you telling me that Dana and the UFC are having guys? Uh, they're, they're giving guys some help with what they should say and no, uh, leading up to the fights. No, yeah. these guys these guys do it on their own. It's one hundred percent organic. One hundred percent. The beef organic. is one hundred percent organic. One hundred percent organic. It's not the you know Mayweather and McGregor talking smack to each other and then going back and into the room after the press is in there and being like, "Good one, old chap. Uh, we're selling some tickets nah, this time." Nah, it's, eh? it, it's it, when the beef is because with MMA we still. have have that like that bushido code you know where mm -hmm. we just kind of like honor and respect and then when somebody disrespects you mm -hmm. it 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 cuts at a different level you know so you can't just shake it off and it's not like nah we're not friends until i punch you in the face you know and then <laughs> and then after you're not friends until i punch you yeah in the face. and then after we punch each other in the face a few times respect. Then fight, yeah, Gerard, we are that. not friends here's my question for you bro and here's what i want you to do here all right. Leave your humbleness at the door for okay. one second. We're throwing all these names out there, okay? GSP, Connor, promoting Kobe, Usman. You're a freaking Hall of Famer, bro. Lose the humbleness. Where are you at on this list? Like, what? Like, give me a little, like, I'll tell you what, mother. Like, give me something. Where are you I, at? That, that's list? not me, man. I, okay. I, I know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I, I need to, uh, to do that. You know, I feel like, um, you know, I am who I am, you know, and what I did is what I did. But if you had to rank yourself in this top five, top ten, you're not I even willing. I wouldn't even rank myself. Straight up. No, nah, I wouldn't do it. Better question, Rashad. Could Adam last an entire minute in the ring with you? Not interested. One full Not minute. interested in the answer, Rashad. 60 full human yeah. seconds. I'm good. Nah, let's, talk, not, let's talk about John Jones. Let's yeah. talk about John Jones and Greg Jackson because, uh, you know, for the stories you were talking about with Greg Jackson on on mental toughness, like some of the stuff is psychotic. Like when you were saying on the, on Joe Rogan, how <laughs> you, you carry your guy in and you have to be willing to die, you know, for your buddies and to go through this. When when John came through, you're the older brother to him, right? You were playing because you were the guy yeah. that ran the camp and you made the camp popular. Everybody knew you were that name, right? And in this world, camps are very important, right? You, Great coach gets a great player. That player can also make the coach very famous. In sports, college, Tim Duncan made Pop pretty wow. famous. Michael made Phil very famous. 
Kobe didn't really make Phil famous because Phil was already famous, yeah, but right. Michael made Phil famous, right? Uh, how, how was John's energy when he came in? Because I've heard what you've said about him before. And, uh, I, you know, the interview you guys did together with, uh, it wasn't Joe, it was somebody else interviewing the two of you guys before the fight. You know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And then I've seen Daniel Cormier and him talk and what Daniel says about John, where he says he'll never change. You don't make mistakes over and over and over again, et cetera, et cetera. You, ho- you hear that whole conversation yeah. with Joe was, I think, hosting that interview. Who was John when he first walked into the camp? Who was that guy? He was an eager student. You know, John just wanted to learn um, – very big imagination, you know, uh, he would, he would, uh, you know, after training, he'd be one of those guys who would just sit and just, you know, uh, play around and kind of just, uh, you know, try out different moves, like just, you know, like these different, um, you know, conceptual moves, you know, things that you may never pull off, but he would do those things over and over again, things that people wouldn't expect. Uh, very big imagination, um, very eager to, uh, to be the guy. You know, I remember we went out one time and he's like, oh man, what is it like to have, you know, people come up to you and want to take pictures. And I'm like, one day you'll find out, you know, you know, it's so super ambitious, very ambitious, curious. Very, was yeah. he humble? Um, yeah, he was humble, he but was humble, confident, but confident, very okay. confident. So he, he had swagger even coming in. Oh, yeah, he, he wanted he wanted he wanted to be um, he wanted to be the guy and he knew he, one day he would be. The How guy. old was he when you when you first met him? Maybe 21. Maybe 21. Yeah, maybe 21. And so when you guys were sparring, did you I mean, when you're practicing, did you say, Dude, this guy's different. Like, did you immediately feel that this guy's different than everybody else? Yeah, yeah. I remember okay. um, what we're doing. We're doing. Uh, we're doing wrestling. We were doing wrestling. And I used to take everybody down, and uh, and I went with him for the first time. And I'm like, all right, I'll go. And he took me down, and I was like, oh. first time. First time, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> well, so I mean, like, he's been okay. wrestling his brothers his whole life. Yeah, two okay. NFL players, yeah, two big, big guys. And he's the yeah. skinniest in the yeah. family. So yeah, he, he was six four one seventy in junior year. Yeah, he he's got he's got a freaky dimension that kind of adds to, you know, his athleticism and what he's able to do in the octagon. Do, do, was he a, was he a troublemaker before, or did he pick up the habits after all the attention came? Um, you know, I I would say that you know John is uh, I wouldn't say a troublemaker. I would just say that he would. Um, what gets John in trouble is because. Every four four weeks before his fight, he does he likes to blow off a little bit of steam, and it's kind of like his ritual that he does, where you know he wants to, um, you know, it's like a little celebration to himself, you know, and it's kind of like his thing where, you know, he he'll go and he'll party like four weeks before he fights, and then he'll finish the rest of his camp, you know. But when he goes, he goes hard. You know what I'm saying? He goes hard in the paint. Yeah, but blow off a little literally, a little too literally, unfortunately. Yeah, a little too literally. But, but was that like, was that, what I'm trying to find out is, like, you know, sometimes uh, I, had, I interviewed Billy Bean. We had him at the event. Billy Bean, I don't know if you've seen the movie Moneyball with uh, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. You know, yeah. the baseball movie, if you've yeah. seen it. And I said, Billy, you're a recruiter. When you're recruiting guys, what are you looking for? He says, obviously talent, okay, Physical, like what you what you look like physically, you take care of yourself, and then he said a, a work ethic, and then he said upbringing, and upbringing is if we don't have that, that's tough because right. eventually this guy's gonna mess up his career. That's what he would say. So they would look at a lot of stars. Like for himself, he was coming up. They thought he's gonna be a big star, and you know MLB All Star play very quickly. They realize you're good for ML, you're good for AAA, you're good for college, but you're gonna make it in the. He says I knew. Very quickly, I don't belong in this league. 
John knew he belonged in the league, but I wonder, like, you know, sometimes you're hanging out, and I remember being in the Army one weekend. These guys are like, we're going to go and party at this place. And I just got this gut feeling. I'm like, dude, I'm just not going to go with these guys. I'm just not getting a good feeling about these guys going where they're going. So I didn't go that weekend. Everybody got arrested. Everybody went to jail. Everybody was dishonorably discharged that one weekend. So is it the DNA in him? Is it he learned it from somebody? Is it the friends? Is it the coach? Who, where do you put it's, that? It's in him. Okay, it's in him. Got he, he's got he's got that wild side to him. You know, there's a part. See, see the same things that make you great in one area will make you not so great in the other area. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that you know he takes risk in a cage and he he lives like that. You know, he 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 takes risk in his life too. You know, and um, it it's uh it's part of it's part of who he is. You know, I think there's some things that he needs to sort out within himself, you know, and I feel that he's, he, he's, he's doing those things, but, you know, being able to do those things and being able to confront a very uh, ugly side of yourself is confronting it. You know what I'm saying? And being open and honest about it to the point where, you know, you're, you're willing to deal with it. And I feel like he still needs to make strides in that area, you know, being accountable for the things that, that actually, you know, keep bringing him back to that place. And I feel like, as he grows even more, you know, because he's not the same kid he was when he's making those mistakes. He's still making those mistakes because he wasn't accountable for it before. He's 34 now. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's so a different ballgame. It's like, a different ballgame. And, and, here, and here's the sad thing, and, yeah. and here's what I do not want for him. I do not want him to still be making those mistakes once there's no value in him anymore, once people don't, you know, can't get another penny out of That's him rough. anymore. Because at that point, yeah. then you go down a whole different spiral yeah. different spiral you yeah. know and that's what I, I don't hope for i hope that he um he figures it out because there's something in him that's causing him to keep going back to that place and he is the only person that can sort that out does does, does he does he have guys like you in his ears like do you guys you sound like a lot of different a lot different relationship today than the way you guys were speaking eight years ago yeah you know what i'm saying you sound and the way you're speaking about him so have you guys mended have you guys spoken have you guys hung out have you guys broken bread have you guys gone to dinner? Is there that relationship again? Um, we don't have that relationship, but I, you know, whenever I see him, I speak to him and say what's okay. up to him, and you know, give him some well wishes and things like that. You know, I, I have nothing but love for the guy. You know, um, you know, uh, you know. There's a couple times I had some dreams about him. I'm like, oh man, I got to check on John. So I'll call his manager, Malky, and be like, hey, is John okay? I just had this crazy dream that you know this happened to him. You know, check on him, make sure that he's good. You know, because you know, I, I, I care about the kid. You know what I'm saying? I, and and I don't want him to. Uh, I, I want him to be the guy that he can be. I yeah. want him to be that guy. You, you ever uh, 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 like even coming up? You know, in the in the world of business, I've been around a lot of guys that were ten times better than me in insurance, right? But you'd sit there and you're talking. I'd, I'd watch. Like we're in a room, say somebody that's doing very well for themselves. They're giving counsel to us, right? I'd watch the other guys that I was in the same camp with. So imagine like an ultimate fighter, whatever. But we're in an ultimate fighter, but for insurance and right. business right and one of the guys in the room just looked at everybody like with a smirk on his face like dude i'm 10 times better than all you guys you guys have no clue what you're talking about i know what i'm you could never give this person counsel and god forbid if you did the level of sensitivity to the roof oh my gosh you like get uncomfortable like you know you know what i'm talking yeah. about there's no way a guy gets that good without having taken coaching from somebody do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's no way you're born with those abilities. So right. he must have the ability to take the coaching in areas that he wants to, 
But the other side where, you know, a Cormier says he'll never change, do you agree with Cormier that he'll never change certain things? Um, I don't agree with that. You know, I think okay. that uh, I think that people can change all the time. And I feel like it, it just takes the right situation to, to make that change happen. You know, um, I'm not the person who I was 10 years ago in so many different aspects. Not even five years ago, you know, I've changed in, in so many different ways. And, and that change happened within me. But it took me realizing it you know no one could make me change it was something that i needed to see for myself to have that change happen and you never know what happens in life you know life can pull you in a different you know direction and you know uh have you see something that you didn't see before and then you change as a person yeah um, listen uh, this is coming from a fan i mean you you, you know from a fan perspective you want to see this guy figured out because I, the guy is he, he's got he's got michael in him but he's got Rodman in him. It's a very he's weird dynamic. Daryl Strawberry he's got, in him yeah. too. You know? Yeah, Darryl he's got Daryl Strawberry <laughs> and maybe a little Dwight Gooden. You can, but he, can I ask him a question yeah. on this? Right now, basically what you're talking about is growing up and personal growth. Okay, And Pat yeah. led off the entire conversation with who you were when you were age 22 versus now you're 42. So you, you did a hot boxing with Mike Tyson. And I mean, the first half hour you were talking about things that you used to do and things that you're doing now. So my question revolves around personal growth. You're now a vegan. Mm -hmm. You used to say, you know, you eat meat, whatever. You used to party, smoke, drink, whatever. That you know, that kind of lifestyle. Now you're doing mushrooms. You have your metatode. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about DMT. I've done DMT. That shit's wild. I've done some mushrooms. Uh, mom, hope you're not listening. <laughs> um, but my question is, like, you've grown up. Clearly, you've got like you got it going on, bro. Like you, you're, you're like the, the the you're knocking people out in the ring. But here, just like you're very chill, casual dude, the personal growth. When did you have to grow up? Um, and what did the, what you're doing now with your, because your company, is it Metatode? Is that what it is? Yeah, Metatode. Just explain Metatode. the personal growth and where you're at, even with your diet, your health, your exercise, your mentality, your emotions, things that you're putting in your body. Where's that all at? Um, you know, I, I felt like I needed to grow up and just, you know, when I just kept bumping my head, you know, and just having things, setbacks happen to me and just trying to figure out like where, where it was coming from, you know, and how I was my own worst enemy and how I kept on causing myself to re have these same repeating patterns in my life. And, um, you know, facing a lot of part of my, a lot of the part of myself that I didn't want to face before, you know, and, you know, I, I, um, I point to psychedelics, not because I'm like, everybody needs to, you know, use psychedelics in order to get to, to, to find truth, but um, using psychedelics allow me to get perspective, you know, the only thing that can help you get perspective without it is time, you know, but sometimes you don't have time, you know, and um, being able to get the perspective that I have when I was, you know, using psychedelics allowed me to see areas in myself that I was, you know, I needed to change and areas I needed to confront. And, and those, you know, was, was a spawn of, you know, that was a spawn of me, you know, changing and wanting to do better for myself and, uh, you know, doing, you know, doing better for people that I affected, you know, by being a certain kind of way. And um, that was only something that only I could do for myself. There was only something that I, I had to see for myself. But, you know, I wasn't able to see for myself because I was caught in that habitual pattern of just doing the same thing and not being able to see, you know, uh, where I was coming up short. And so uh, it, it's been it's been a, a different uh different path for me and that's why even why i even came back to fighting you know just just because i want to feel it from this perspective you know i fought from one perspective for the longest time but 
I never fought, you know, in this perspective. And I wanted to just, you know, have that and experience that because, you know, I've um, I've grown so much in this area where I just wanted to see what it would be like now. It's it's hard to fight from a from a place of of you know confidence like that from your in yourself. So much of fighting comes from self hatred and self loathing, and you know externalizing a lot of the things that that you know you've internalized your whole life. So now yeah. when you find peace, do you, is there any fear that you won't have that same rage? You won't be able to to unleash that that same you know get yourself into that same you know violent primordial being you need to be to to face another man like that. Um, that's a good question. I feel like that's um, one of the things that kind of uh, led to me not fighting the way I felt like I needed to fight in the last few fights is because, you know, I found peace in a lot of different areas where um, I was struggling before. You know, uh, you know, fighting has been therapy for me, to be honest, you know, and some of the things that I was working through in life, I, I found a way to work through them through fighting. But um, now as a fighter and, and, and where I'm at right now, I don't feel like I need to be angry or have the the feelings of of that that dog, you know, um, in that kind of way. You know, now I know how to how to hit a switch mm-hmm. and mentally bring myself to that point, and you know, unleash that beast and be savage when I need to be, and at the same time, you know, be another way when I need to be. Well, it's but, not just you. I mean, you know, you look at guys in the NFL; they don't know that at the end of their career they can turn it off. Or even in the offseason, they can't turn it off. Yeah. You look at dudes that are fighting. You look at soldiers that come back. I mean, when you're – and it's not necessarily their fault. When you're trained to be a hammer, all you're going to see is nails. Right. You know, so, I mean, in that regard, I mean, it, it's it's a really interesting – you're almost like a case study. You're a case study for, for you know, professionally violent people yeah. to see if they can – kind of turn it on, turn it off, and, and if it can be controlled violence or if that just kind of takes over your personality. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it's a very uh, interesting process, to be honest, because, you know, you you have this mindset where, you know, you are a fighter, and, you know, when you engage that beast enough times, it just becomes who you are on so many different levels. So then when you don't have it anymore, you have to find a new way to uh, let it out you know, without letting it out in an uncontrolled manner that is not acceptable anymore because, you know, the the best thing about the 15 minutes of fighting is the fact that that's your chance to let it all out, you know, be the animal that you want to be, and it feels good. It feels good to just let it out, but you're not always going to have that in life, so you have to find different avenues to to let it out in, and I've been fortunate enough to learn how to do that outside of fighting, and now that I felt like I've learned how to do that, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to fight again. Yeah, that's, you know, the famous quote. I mean, this goes back to what uh, Pat was saying about John Jones. You know, the problem is you stare into the darkness long enough and eventually the darkness stares back, right? So, you know, if John Jones is trained to be a fighter and there's nothing, there's nobody in front of him to fight, he's going to start fighting himself. Yeah. These other guys find that. You, you, you know, said one other thing, life outside of fighting. You know, for guys, you see so many great, great, great champions that they, they don't know when to walk away. You see, you know, Ken Shamrock, I think, was still fighting. Yeah. You know, guys, like, when you saw, you saw, you know, Ben Askren going up there, taking that, you know. I saw, you know, Brendan Schaub says it's not a dive. I don't know what your opinion on that is. But I saw Robbie Lawler put his fist through Ben Askren's face and him not him not, him not go down. So, I don't know what your thoughts are on Ben Askren versus Jake Paul, if you want to say him. But 
I mean, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to take a dive. I'm not going to let somebody punch me in the face like that mm-hmm. and take a dive. I mean, I think Jake just really caught him. Really? What about Tyrone Woodley? Is there any chance he took a dive? Because he got knocked out. Nah, Jake, Jake caught him again. I mean, listen, I, 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 I hate to say it because I was not a fan of the Jake Paul mm-hmm. and the Paul brothers doing anything, but they, they won me over. They, they, I really? Mean, really? You got to respect them. You got to respect them because, I mean, it, it's not easy what they did. You know? How bad would you mess up Jake Paul? I mean, I, I like to believe I'll mess him up pretty bad, but I mean, you know, Jake is doing some things now. You know what I'm saying? He's he's dude, you're in a boxing. UFC Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying, like, yeah. I'm not a boxer. That's Got what I'm it. saying. I'm not a boxer. Okay, so that, just, that's what's it. the difference between the two for those uh, layman's uh, you know out here? Uh, pace, the timing, the distance. Um, you know, uh, the 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 cadence of the punches. You know, you know, you got to be able to understand that in order to you can't just like jump into a boxing match and just think that you're it's gonna a different be able to, sport is what you're it's, saying. it's a totally different it's sport. a long drive competition yeah. compared to 18 holes of golf it's home run derby or a dunk contest compared oh, yeah, to basketball yeah. you have to have you know to to go up against him you got he's gonna he's gonna grapple you he's gonna he's he's gonna strike from the outside he's gonna kick you with your, your mm-hmm. legs from every angle i mean the like the amount of stuff that you have to prepare for is insane like for instance like t wood is known for that big overhand right but that was predicated off of the fact that he had the ability to take you a, down. Yeah. So you had to respect the fact that he could take you down. So when and you're not that, even worrying about that, you're just it's just straight boxing. It's just straight boxing, yeah. Wow. So but by, by the way, so so here's a question. You got uh, uh Francis who's destroying people, right, with a swing. And then you got Tyson Fury who is undefeated and one looks like a boxer. The other one looks like a bartender, right? Even, even he jokes about it. What are you trying to say right? here? Even this he is... jokes about it. No, no. He posted a picture the other day. He says, this guy looks like a boxer. This guy does not, but this guy whooped his ass. Like, that's what he said on his Instagram post. But if, but if a Fury today fights Francis, boxing, obviously in the other area, it's a different story. But it's in the boxing by the boxing rules. Does Tyson still win? 100%. 100%. I mean... I- Listen, listen, wow. uh, listen. As today, right, yeah. right now. No, I'm talking about right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Francis hasn't been boxing, right? I mean, listen, Francis can box, but to to dismiss Tyson Fury just by the way his body is, you're you're dismissing his boxing skill. Tyson Fury is extremely fast. He has you know very good footwork. You know he has very good setups with his punches. I mean. Deontay Wilder, I mean, his skill level when it comes to showing the straight ones and twos may not be the cleanest, but he he can he can box. You know what I'm saying? Wilder, Wilder, Wilder can Wilder can box. So so maybe Wilder Francis is a better fight. That'd be a better fight. That'd be a better I see what fight. you're saying. I, I think I think that hmm. I think that I think that um, if if um, Deontay Wilder and and uh, and Francis fought. I like Francis in that fight. You over Wilder. Over Wilder. I like Francis mm. in that fight. Because Wilder really? throws some wild punches yeah. when it comes. But if they connect, you're going down. <laughs> Back to sleep. Jake Paul. He's just making mincemeat of these UFC guys. You brought up uh, Ben Askren. Let, let's get Whitley. Anderson Silva okay, in there. Okay, but let's talk boxers. Where is he in an actual boxing match if he's fighting a real boxer? You know, like... I, I don't know if Fury's brother is a good example. But in he's his weight a class, too, though, Adam. Because okay. remember, he's been fighting people 20 Where pounds less. Where is he in, in a real boxer? Okay, something that I'm clarifying right now is like, all right, cool, it's not the same thing. Boxing, UFC, you know, use the home run derby versus a real baseball game. 
he fights a real boxer, where does that go? Probably not well for him, you know, because because the truth of the matter is, you know, he still makes a lot of amateur mistakes when he's out there. You know, um, he he's fighting exactly who he needs to be fighting, yeah. and and I, and I think this is the shtick that he needs to stick with because, you know, uh, he doesn't need to be fighting any real boxers that's been fighting since they were kids because the truth of the matter is he, he will get exposed yeah. in, in that respect. You know, He's got 40 million reasons to keep messing up UFC guys, huh? I mean, I, I guess he's supposed to be fighting Mike Tyson soon. Nah, so I don't know about that. You, I you mean, have a story on that, Pat? I mean, I, I, that's that's what I heard. I mean, but if he's fighting Mike Tyson... Yeah, where you at with that? Mike is going to destroy him because Mike, <laughs> Mike don't play boxing. Mike don't play boxing. Yeah, Mike don't he, even Mike would of, destroy him. Mike, at Mike would, at 55. Listen, Mike is a different, different animal altogether. Mike is yeah. Mike is something different. Like Mike is the kind of guy who uh <laughs> like he's 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 become very civilized, mm-hmm. but he's still very, very savage. Very savage. But up until what age? Meaning fifty five Mike Tyson will mess him up. 65 he's 55 he's 7 years away from getting social security <laughs> 55 is 55 I don't know what we're talking well, he about he smokes here. a lot he takes a lot of mushrooms so he's got a different perspective I mean Mike trains too Mike is Mike is not just he doesn't he doesn't just do it to you know to get in shape for a fight Mike is training all the time he's consistently training he's been able to you know find a second win when it comes to training he's been able to find a second win when it comes to the love of the sport which pushed him out of the boxing in general, but now he loves it again. And now that he loves it again, he's 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 into it. You know, he's into boxing, and he's. But, but by the way, would you would you make the comparison of John Jones and Mike Tyson more than John Jones and Dennis Rodman? Would you would you make that like, you know, a personality the the more the extracurricular activities outside of the ring? Would you make that comparison? Um, I would say no. I mean. Because knowing Mike Tyson, Mike is a uh, he's a very cerebral guy. Mike is one of the smartest guys that 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 you that you're gonna that yeah. you're gonna meet. I would say when Mike gets himself in situations, is because he um, allowed himself to uh, like get overwhelmed with a situation. He doesn't handle being overwhelmed really well. You know what I'm saying? Like Mike can, doesn't. Mike doesn't. He doesn't. Well, you handle. know that Pat and Tyson were in the ring together one time. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Mode. Would you like? So what was you, what, was, <laughs> so what was the one thing? Oh, he interviewed him yeah, in a, in a real boxing. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know what? He is extremely intense, extremely smart. But the the reason why you know uh, Gerard used the word case study. You know, if you look at everybody as a case study, I'm a case study. You're a case study. We're all case studies here, right? But if you right. look at everybody as a case study, Mike, things changed when the guy who believed in him passed away. So it was an event. Custom auto. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And and I asked him the question. I wonder if something like that happened to to John. There is a very interesting dynamic between a father and a son where the father earns the respect of the son to the point where the son is willing to take the feedback from the father to not want to disappoint the father. That dynamic is a very powerful dynamic. When you yeah. don't have it, if another man plays that role for you, it can really help shape your life, right? Yeah. Is there something like that in John's life? I think that person was his mother, okay, and his mother was uh, somebody who, um, you know, she she was a great woman. You know, this this woman when I was getting ready to fight John in the height of our beef, you know, she was blind, but uh, you know, she she knew I walk into the room. She's like, "Is that Rashad?" And then her husband like, "Yeah, that's Rashad." And he's like, Rashad, I know you didn't walk in the room without saying hi to me. And she would just like always make me speak wow. to her, but she would just. 
you know, she's like, I know you and John going through it, but you know, when she just like, you know, give me, give me love, you know what I'm saying? So she was a very special woman, very spiritual woman. And I feel like she was, um, John's, you know, spiritual anchor. And I feel like a lot of the things that we see in John now is, is maybe him dealing with, you know, shades of that, that emotion. Yeah. She passed away a few years ago. Who was that for you? Oh man. Who was that for me? I would say, um, I would say it's my mom. My mom, my mom is, my mom is, uh, is my rock. You know, I, I can call my mom, and uh, you know, she always got some, got some advice. Rashad, now listen, <laughs> I, I, I know you got a fight coming up, but Rashad, listen, when you go out there, Rashad, you gotta hit, Rashad, you gotta hit and keep them hit, Rashad. <laughs> Great advice, Mom. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't gonna actually hit him, but you know, based on that, 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 that almost sounded like that old uh, cannabis song back in the day with uh, "Can I Bust?" Yeah, with yes, uh, second round knockout with Mike Tyson. Cannabis, Amazing man, song. you gotta hit him. Second round LL knockout. Cool, Jake. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but, but no, you to... can't under you can't underestimate moms, right? My mom is an undefeated flyweight in our house. The kitchen was the octagon, and she was undefeated. <laughs> Babs. You know? Babs. Babs, first round, first mm-hmm. round knockouts. If, you, if she calls you the kitchen, you've done something wrong. Welcome to the octagon. You're going down. Pat, I think you were going somewhere with your question about John because your life changed forever the day that your dad had a heart attack, right? Yeah, no, I'm, listen, for me, I, my, I, I dramatically changed my life. So I, I wonder when a Cormier says dramatic, he can, he's never going to change. And Everybody I've interviewed from the UFC side I've talked to, I've always asked, who do you think can one day replace Dana White? I got to tell you, unanimously, do you think Conor could do it? No. Do you think Joe could do it? Joe wouldn't want to. Do you think this can? Almost everybody I've asked who could replace Dana's job is Cormier. I'm telling you. That's what a lot of people think. Maybe you disagree with that. No, I but, think DC can yeah, for sure. So, so they say DC, so I ask why. Because Dana is straight up, and he'll tell you your flaws. He's, you screwed up. Like Dana will see on the camera and say, "What the hell was he doing? Throwing something on the on the bus? What are you doing? Like, what were you thinking? Or what are you thinking? Jumping out? Or in that one fight where Khabib's like, "Give me the belt. I want my belt." Let me tell you something. If I give you the belt right now, here's what I think is going to happen. This place is going to go crazy. Shit's going to get ugly. I'm going to give it to you later. I can handle it. I'm not giving you the belt. Like. You, those are not easy conversations to have. Like the average person will be like, all right, here you go. Let me give you the belt. No, the guy sticks and they, for, for DC to say, you, a person doesn't make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again, right? That's a tough thing to tell somebody. Yeah. You know, that's a very tough thing to say somebody. So does a DC believe that, you know, and then I see a story with me, the change, my dad and I have the biggest debates all the time. Here's my dad and I's biggest debate. I would have my friends come over and I would say, Dad, I think this guy's going to make a very big impact in his life. He said, no, he's not. I said, oh, what are you talking about? You know what he would say? Hmm. He would say, look how short he is. Look what he weighs. He said, this can't even discipline his diet. You think he can discipline to work? That's my dad, how b- mm. brutal he was. I had a friend of mine. He would come over. Two guys would come over to our house. He'd call both of them Gordo. You know what Gordo means. Yeah. Gordo means like a little chunky boy, little, fatty boy. Yeah. One of them... Never showed up again. The last time he was in the room with my dad, he was 25. He's 43 right now. Wow. Because he's afraid my dad's going to say, hey, Gordo. Hey, Gordo. That's my dad, right? How he is. I said, dad, you can't talk to people like that. He's fat. What do you want me to tell him? So he's gotten better over the years. He's 79. Now he's listening to this here. But he would call this guy Gordo. Now, another guy, he called him Gordo, George Palayo. He says, hey, Gordo, when are you going to fix that? Look at your pants. It doesn't fit. When are you gonna? My dad would straight up. And by the way, my dad 
is he the sweetest guy or what? He's the yeah, nicest the, guy you'll meet, right? The most cerebral, smartest. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a real-life Socrates. Yeah, he's real just, talk. just a chill guy. Yeah, he's five... How tall is he? I, I, I'm six four, six five. How tall is my dad? What would you say my dad is? I think he's about 5'9". Uh, I want to give him an intro. To okay, okay, so 5'9". Probably 5'7". Five, five, but he's just like, like this, yeah. right? You know what George did with it? What's that? He changed. Mm-hmm. George will make $3 million this year wow, at 34 yeah. years old, 35 years old, right? But he changed. He, he decided to say, maybe this guy's right. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. there's somebody that's giving a feedback. So... One day we're having a debate with my dad, and I say, Dad, I think that guy can change. He'll never change. Dad, I think that guy can change. Patrick, I'm telling you, he'll never change. You think everybody is willing to work their asses off like you're working? What, what do you think the world is like? That guy is not going to change. He was right half the time. I was right half the time. Okay, Meaning there were guys that I believe, but I bank on believing people can change. Mm-hmm. The story of my life is I believe people can change, right? There's a part of it where you wonder, it's so deep rooted to the core that, you know, it, it, I mean, Nike contract, you know what I mean? The only UFC fight that's ever been canceled was 151 with Dan Henderson. Yeah. You know this. It's the only one ever that, you know, Dana's like, and he, second chance, third chance, fourth chance, all of this stuff. Um, You're talking about the, John Jones here, right? Yeah, now. John Jones okay. was going to fight. Uh, he, what was the fight? It was another fight, and then Anthony, Dan Henderson. Anthony and Johnson. Anthony Johnson, yeah. and then he got her, yeah. and then, you know. He tested positive right tested before positive. DC. Yeah, so all of these things, and at last minute, Dana doesn't want to cancel a fight. Are you freaking kidding me? Who right. the hell wants to cancel a fight? It's, it's a bad look on the sport, right? Mm-hmm. You have to refund cancellations, all this bullshit. The media is going to write about it. They're struggling. They're going out of business. Nobody's watching them anymore. Who the hell wants to answer all these questions, right? Um. So yeah, I I, I I wonder who's in his ear. Well, Danny yeah. even said Dana yeah. said it's it, it you know it's impossible for me to bet on John Jones in a weekend in Vegas. It's impossible for me to bet on John Jones. Do you know how do you know how tough that is for for you for a, for a guy who has given people not just him he's given people so many seconds. He's like Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson liked to go get people who got arrested. Yeah, who did that was his model, right? Even. Uh, Bill well, Belichick is good at doing that. He did that with a few different guys. I right? mean, Pat, in fairness, this, this isn't an industry where you're pulling guys out of Cornell. Totally here. right. Like, you know, I get come that. on. This I, is. But listen, neither is. Listen, Michael. What, what, you talking about Miami was? <laughs> you think I mean. Miami Hurricane? No. That's what I mean. No, 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 no. There's no. a place in this world for pirates, bro, still, bro. No, you I, know what I'm saying? I, like, I, I get, I get. There is. There's a place for pirates. But I think when John says I'll change, I think he wants to. That's the difference. Like you see John's interview, and he says, "I, I'm, I'm going to change. I want to change." I think he wants to. Then there is somebody else in the ear. Who is that? Is the right person in the ear? Is the person willing to listen to the person in the ear? But bro, well, let me give you a different well, perspective. I, I, guarantee, I guarantee you. Well, here's my question, and, and, I, and I'm going to open it up for you. Hypothetical. I don't know John Jones anywhere yeah. near where you guys. Everyone here has said that he's the number one guy of all time. Everyone. Why would he change? Maybe what is keeping him freaking no. mad and doing that is what... Is no. the reason that he's number no, one? I, I actually t- open-ended I, I, question. You, I like, can't believe like, it. Like Tiger Woods, when Tiger Woods changed, he wasn't Tiger Woods. I'm just saying, saying, like, this. why would he point. change? That's a literal great point. Yeah, they happen from yeah. uh, once no, a year. No, but that's not the point, though. Listen, okay. Tiger there, Woods is a to, great, there, great, great example. But <laughs> Tiger Woods, his example was 16 porn stars, guys. This this guy, <laughs> and he was winning Masters. Yeah, no, no, but that's not the point, though. The the point that Tiger gets credit on what he said, which is not everybody can do this. We have a guy that I work with, Jose Gaetan, okay? We're sitting in my office one time. I'm interviewing this guy who wants to work with us. Jose's sitting over here. I'm sitting over here. We're in Northridge, California, which is the earthquake capital of the world, right? 
Sitting talking, so, so Johnny, tell me about your background. Who were you in high school? I'm asking him all these questions. All of a sudden, massive earthquake is going in the middle of the interview. Glass is going like this. Shit's falling down. No joke. This guy, I look to the right to look at the window. I look to the left. This guy's running out the window, right? He's running out the door. He's out. He left the office. He went outside. Gaetan. No, no, not Gaetan. The other guy. Here's Jose. Uh, so, Pat, what sh- <laughs> we should probably uh, leave the building. Right, yeah. What do you think? I said, yeah. And he just goes, you know, real slow. Gets up and starts walking on. Jose, dude, a, a hurricane could hit. A, a earthquake could hit. He's still going to be texting He's the person back. He's a very stable yeah. dude. But though. what I'm saying is, like, a people who can balance, shit's not going right in your personal life, and you're still winning. Tiger could pull that off, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people can do that. John Jones could pull that off. Not a lot of people can do that. But for every story like that you hear, there's a ton of stories that end with a horror story. And this guy's got a family. This guy's got people that love him. And at the end of the day, uh, I get, like, even Michael. Michael was reckless. Totally get Michael was reckless. But to what level, though? Lawrence Taylor. I mean, it it goes on and on. Yeah, but Lawrence Taylor, that story didn't end well. Lawrence still could have had a complete different career for himself. How much better career? The problem is, though, the problem is Not the sport, though. Not the sport. Life is bigger than sports, though. Life is bigger than sports. Yeah, the problem is sometimes these athletes, you know, they have this this dark passenger, like this other side to themselves that allows them to – rise to the occasion and and that darkness needs it need the needs to eat and needs to feed you know so you have to do dark things in order to feed it and sometimes they overindulge in it you know and it becomes and it takes over who they are you know but you have to be able to uh be able to understand the difference between the two you have to understand when it's time to feed the beast yeah and when it's time not to you know and and if you are getting overindulging and, and yeah. feeding it, then you're out of balance because it's, it's all it's all it's all a standing balance. You make such a good point. Yeah, you yeah. Make, for example, you know Jordan Peterson says what? You, you got to be a monster. Be a right? monster. Okay, be a monster. Totally get it. Uh, you know Tim Grover in the book Relentless. I don't know if you've read it or not. He talks mm-hmm. about how all the great ones have a vice, like the internal vice that we deal with. Everybody here, we all sin in a different yeah. way, but ain't nobody in here free. If people went through your search history or they went through your phone text and the way right. you've done some conversations behind closed doors with people, we would all be embarrassed right now with some of the shit that we've done, right? right. But then, you know, we had Sammy the Bull Gravano comes and we go to a restaurant, Casa D'Angelo. I don't know if you know who Sammy the Bull is. Yeah, Sammy the, so, okay, so we go to Casa. We're sitting, we're having dinner. One guy shows up, John Mason, okay? <laughs> and he sits in the corner. We're having dinner. Sammy looks at John, and he keeps staring at him, right? And John, it's, John was a, wanted to come. He was dying to come, but he didn't want to die to come. You know what I mean? Like one of those situations. So he said, hey, hey, Sammy. Hey, Sammy, how are you? And he's not even making eye contact. So Mario starts joking around telling Sammy, Sammy, I just want to let you know, while I was outside, John was talking major smack about your family. <laughs> <laughs> John's like, Johnny Mays. No, no, I wasn't. He's lying. No, when John is like literally like doesn't realize that Mario and Samuel are playing a joke on this guy. Sure. Okay? But here's the part. So you know Sammy's capable. That's the part. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he can go to a very, very dark side. Yeah. You know, that's like the, the, the part about having a gun. You don't have a gun to use it every single day just because you have it. You have a gun so the other person says, Hey, uh, how you doing? Everything good? Awesome. Right, Great. Right. Thank you so much for coming to our liquor store. Now get the hell out of here, right? Yeah. I'm capable. I think, John, we all know you're capable, but dog, just like, you know what I mean? Because 
this thing is, look, you know, if you're his agent, you're his manager. Everybody says, well, you know, this is part of darkness, this is part of this. How big of a contract would that Nike contract have been for John? I mean, he, he would have he jumped into a different stratosphere Are when it comes kidding? to who he was. Yeah, it's a $100 million contract. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a massive contract. You're set, right? Well, I just didn't want to do it. You know, so those are, those are the things that for me, I, 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 you know, you win in life, and we typically forget who gave us that one counsel or who was there in that moment that told us to do this and to do that, and we were about to screw up, where you make that additional phone call. You know what I mean? You make mm-hmm. that phone call to somebody. You gotta, if you were to make a list of names of people that impacted your life, you'd probably come up with 20, 30, 40 names and say, yeah. at this point in my life, I was 17, this person said this. At 18, my wrestling coach said this. At 19, a bartender I was working with, the boss said this. At 19 and a half, my mom said this. At 20 and a half, right. the girl that left me said this. You know, you got yeah. it. So. But I think, I think the problem is also is the fact that, you know, we're, we're putting this on, you know, who does he have around him. At the end of the day, you, it has to come from here. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel... I may sound like a hippie for saying this, but I think five grams of mushrooms would set John free. <laughs> i tell you what, it would be a lot better for his career than five um, grams of the white stuff, that's for sure. What do you think that would actually do for him? Because huh? nobody gets better when they do cocaine. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right Other now. than Dewey I, Cox. If, if, what would if, the mushrooms do for if him? He did, if he did the toad, which is 5-M-E-O-D-M-T, not the regular stuff that people do with the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the other, you know, um, that right there would would show him something, you know, because it's a um, it's a totally different experience. But at the same time, you uh, you you're almost reborn at that moment, you know. It's a medicine that just completely just changes everything that you even know as as reality and even yourself. So I think he needs something powerful like that because what he's searching for, he may not even know anymore. You know, he just may be feeling that something is. Is not right, and he's trying to chase it. So, what do they call it? Chasing the dragon, and you never catch it. Never catch it. Never. Rashad, have you? Uh, uh, people see you on the street. You go to a bar. You go to a party. Do people still try to like act like they're tough enough to take? Like, do you? Do you have that happen? Or are most people like, listen, this is my resume. My name is Rashad Evans. I will destroy <laughs> you. Do average um, guys try to act n- tough around you, or no? No, nah, they, they don't. know. They don't. They okay. know. They Got know. They you know. ever gone to a really good street fight? A really good street fight. Have I gotten to a really yeah, like yeah. a really good one that you remember? Like, I mean, I, I've gotten to a street fight as a professional athlete. I was that's in, what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that part, not in high school, like yeah. as a professional athlete. Yeah, I have. What it, was that like? Well, I was I was staying at this hotel in um, in Toronto filming yeah. this movie, and these guys came back and they were just being really loud and they're like knocking on all the doors as they're walking by, and I just got back from being you know from shooting. It was probably like around two thirty. How old you in at the morning? Time? I'm like maybe. Maybe thirty years old. So peak. So yeah, it's a yeah, bad time yeah. To so mess it's with. a bad, a bad, bad time, bad time. <laughs> so I, um, I go, I uh, put my head out the door, and I do in my old man's voice. I'm like, "Hey guys, why don't you just uh, <laughs> settle down? You know, just you got this voice thing going on. He's got shit. some good voices. Over here. Voice. I live in Boca. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you kids get off my lawn? Oh, you sons of bitches. Huh? <laughs> so. <laughs> So I say that to them, and then they started getting lippy, right? So I'm just, like, laughing, and then I'm like, all right, all right guys, just just calm down. So uh, as I stuck my head out the window, uh, the door, they started walking down to How my How many door. guys, by the way? There's three of them. Okay. There's three guys walked down to my door, and I'm still, like, in, you know, still, like, in joking around mode, but these guys are kind of inebriated, and they're kind of, like, 
kind of pressuring the action. So I have my door open, and they're standing right in front of my door, and they're threatening me they're going to do things to me. And I said, look, if you cross into my room, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you have it. So I see one of the guys like that's more of the agitator than the rest of them. The other two are just kind of like backing him up. And then he walks forward, and he doesn't even get to my room. I just start feeding him. And I just start hitting him. Mushrooms, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah mushrooms. <laughs> and I just start hitting him, and then I just start hitting his buddies. And then uh, the security guards came, and you know I didn't get kicked out of the hotel, but it was. Uh, they didn't know who you were, or they knew who you were. They didn't know who There's I was. There's no way so, they knew who you were. Of course, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. How bad did they get messed up? I fed them pretty good. <laughs> so if you can beat up three 20-year-olds fed them at the same time, how, how many 10-year-olds do you think? You <laughs> it's like a stepbrother situation. <laughs> By the way, is this a segue for our friend Paul to walk in? Uh, listen, are we ready to look at the Masvidal video? Because we went through Street Fight. I kind of want to see what he's going to say, even if we watch a couple minutes of it. Before we go to Paul video, go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Gerard. Just real quick, you before we get to Paul, you fought Chuck Liddell. And Chuck Liddell, when I was growing up, the Iceman was the, like, I mean, he was untouchable. And then he got touched, and he seemed to never be the same fighter again. And the same thing happened with Roy Jones. The guy was the greatest of all time. Tarver hit him with the overhand right, and he was never the same fighter again. Do, do you think the concept of being a, a shot fighter is a real thing? Do you think you lose a step? And then the follow-up to that is, do you think McGregor is ever going to be the same guy ever again? Or is the book out? Uh, you can't you can't lose a step for sure, 100%. You know, uh, a lot of guys, when they take a big shot like that, you know, it's all about doing the right rehab. You know, when you don't get your neck and everything looked at and you don't, you know, um, restore the body, give yourself enough time off, then that button is easier to press, you know. Mm -hmm. But then at a certain age, you know, it, it's easier to turn that button off. So it, 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 you, you only have so many fights in you, you know, and you and if you take too many shots too early, then. That fight, you know. Is it the actual shots? Is it is it that the you lose that that air of invincibility? People aren't as afraid to come after you. Is it you actually lose a physical step, or you had a hole there the whole time? Like maybe Roy Jones had that overhand right hole the whole time, just nobody threw it before Tarver. It's just what happens that these guys are untouchable, and then all of a sudden three, four, five losses in a row. It's a combination of everything, you know. It's a part of the fact that they can't take a shot. Then it's another part of the fact that. They're not used to taking a shot. And mm -hmm. then, you know, when you do get hit with a shot, you kind of go into panic mode because you're not used to that or you start having those thoughts running your mind like, oh, shit, not this happening again. You know, you start to, to start to worry about it and, and um, you know, you're not able to recover. So it's a combination of, of different things. So when you look at a guy like McGregor, is the book out on him? Does he need to completely re redesign his training module or is it is it just time? He had his run and it's over. I think he can he can rebuild. You know, I'm looking at McGregor now. Have you guys seen McGregor now? Massive. Oh my gosh, yeah. he's he's big. He's big. So yeah, there's no mean, there's no wada, I guess, or anything like that going on. I don't know. I mean, he's still in a testing pool, so he has to be doing everything legal. I don't know how he's. I don't know what. It he looks like he's lifting. trying to fight in the heavyweight. Looks like he's right a gorilla. Now. Yeah, I mean, listen, if he's still trying to fight 155, I don't know how he's going to make that weight. Not going to happen. Yeah. No, he, he he's really massive right now. What but, do you think he weighs right now? 180 something. Yeah, maybe 190. I mean, he's got he's got like that 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 built where his shoulders look like it's hard to wipe his ass type of shoulders. You know what I'm saying? So it's you would know. About I do that. know what you're saying. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's uh, I think he can do. I mean, if anybody if anybody who can come back and do it is McGregor because McGregor has he was propelled by belief. You know what I'm saying? He's mm -hmm. one of those guys who you know was like the Ali. He said it and he went out and did it, so he can do that again. Hmm. Here's a video of Masvidal uh, street fighting back in the days. Miami. Uh, yeah, Miami. So, but put the audio so we can hear it. In jorts. Look at the jorts. 
Yeah, nobody rocks shorts. And his belt is not even at the right loop. <laughs> Can you move that one? Okay, there you go. That's great technique, though, man. He has. You see how his hands are yeah. right, so he's catching everything. So the guy, even if he does land, he's getting kind of deflected off of his hands. He's not blinking either. I mean, you can't teach that. Nope. This guy's way bigger. Looks like. Way bigger, but he's doing it. Masvidal's doing a good thing, going to the body. Now he's going to go over top. How old is he here, by the way? I'm curious. 20. Ooh. Ooh. Them hands are fast, boy. The composure, though, that's that's what I'm looking at. See how composed he is? Yeah. Game oh, red. Right uh -oh. there, right he there. He got hit there as well, by the way. Yeah, he... Still going to the body. Like a Kimbo slice in the background, bro. Uh-oh. Oh. 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 The spinning oh. backhand. But you know what it is, though? Like, this guy's getting off on him, too, but it's the posture in that... George is doing afterwards to let the guy know that he hasn't landed anything, so the guy's losing confidence. Wow. So that plays as big of a role. He needs a role. Can you imagine yeah. the guy next door at the taco joint just waiting 20 minutes? <laughs> like, wow, I just, I We're just about to sell a taco. taco. Like, wow, I just wanted my taco. This is in Miami, by the way. I do this every week. Yeah, I don't know if is, you guys really yeah. think I'm at. Oh, that oh, man, Rice came through. See? Oh. What what is the what is the laws against street fights? Like I know you yeah, had none the, of this is legal. <laughs> no, no, you were doing the underground, you know, the fight club type of thing. All of this is illegal, right? You yeah, can't. This, this is illegal. This a is fight is illegal, but a street fight, paying betting, that's that's the part that's illegal. That's illegal. Yeah. This is a throwback, man, to when they used to have fights on the barges outside of uh, New York City because fighting was illegal in the turn of the century. So they'd get on the barges, float out. And then they'd have these these massive fights. See now 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 that uh, Jorge got his timing. Now he knows he got his timing. It's over at this point. Yeah. Well, this is also why there's rounds, right? Oh. I mean. Oh, that knee got him. Ooh. See. That's what you're saying. A heavyweight just has to get around once, right? That's it. And he's but look, still it's, it's, up. it's look the, it's the posture. Guy. It's the posture that he has, and he's not. Bro, and you think Kobe is gonna take down Masvidal? I mean, I love Masvidal, man. He's he's my guy, but I just think that Kobe, he has he that rustling. He has that rustling. That rustling mm -hmm. is just is at another level because he doesn't stop the pace that he's able to wrestle. Yeah. Not a lot of people can handle that pace, you know. It's all about pace, you know. And if you're a guy like Kobe Covington who can keep pushing the pace and go and go and go, it's harder to feed a guy like that, you know. And and Masvidal. You know, they trained together before, so there, there's a lot more to it, you know what I'm saying? And there's mm -hmm. there's more to the story, you know what I'm saying? Kobe didn't call this guy out. He didn't call uh, Jorge out because he didn't think that he could beat him. There's something that happened in the training that he remembers, that Masvidal remembers, that is going to play there's a part. a little bit of animosity there, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Th this, one, this one is real animosity. It's and real it's been animosity. for a few years of animosity. Uh -huh. It's not like it's a new thing. Yeah, it, it, it's been brewing for a while, man. But, you know, it's, but, you know, it, it's hard to, to go against uh, Masvidal. You know what I'm saying? Because Masvidal, you know, he, he came out on the scene and he, he uh, really showed who he was within the last couple of years. And it seems like a lot of things have come together for him. But, mm -hmm. I mean, Kobe Covington is... And is, Usman beat both of them, though. Yeah. Who does he think is going to win? Because that's know. your guy, right? I don't know. I, I, I would say if I was a guest for him, mm -hmm. I would say he would think that Kobe Covington is going to yeah. win that. Behind Kobe's closed doors, like the yeah. only guy that's given Usman even a little bit of problems. Yeah, I mean, the last really? few fights, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, if it goes mm. to if it goes to sixth round, and that last Covington was coming on, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was done. We yeah, watched the Euro after yeah. the second round. We were like, there's this something. Is it. There's and something very unique about Kobe, by the way. I, I, there's there's a dog fight in him. Yeah, you know, there's a very unique uh, thing about him. About Masvidal. Here's the thing about Masvidal. You saw how that guy just not, uh, punched uh, Masvidal all of a sudden, and Masvidal was uh, dropped. Mm-hmm. That could happen with Jorge. Jorge right. has a weapon, and if one of these things connect. Kobe's got a great, uh, you know, he can he can take it, yeah. but Masvidal can give it. It'll be interesting what happens. I think Vegas is way towards Kobe than Masvidal. Is uh, is Usman looking at Gaethje next, or is he looking to move up in weight class? Um, I think I think they might be trying to fight. Uh, who is it? Who is it? Like uh, who is it? Uh, Edwards or something like that. Oh, Edwards. Yeah. Not Gaethje, really. But they're they're training partners. Oh, so that they this is the whole like Leota Machito and uh, well, Anderson Silva well, thing. Well, Ga- Gaethje's a 155er. He's coming up, though, isn't he? No. I don't, I, After the Chandler fight, he's staying down there? He's going to stay down there, yeah. yeah. Gerard, don't ever second guess. Paul, why don't you come on up here? Let's see Paul's history of getting punched in the face by Chuck, Chuck Liddell. Liddell. Yes. Yeah, play the video call, if you appreciate Thank you. For reminding me. Yeah. Uh, here you go. Play oh this. Paul God. was a lot bigger here, too. All right. Watch this. We don't have audio? Oh, my gosh. You know, she only has one glove. Just one glove. There's young Pat. That won't hurt his neck. Chuck. <laughs> hey, Paul. What How are you feeling, so buddy? Time. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. He, he said it was 40%. Okay, he, he had some grace, but he didn't try to. Yeah. A little harder. Okay. Yeah. Look how big Mario was, too. Mario was. <laughs> that was good, though. He got him there. That neck. No, no. Now watch. Mario goes to the couch. <laughs> By the way, when we asked everyone who they'd rather get hit, everyone chose Mario. But uh, unfortunately, we got Paul here. So no, oh no, Paul, gosh. come on up here, Paul. Line it up. <laughs> let let, let uh, Rashad put the gloves on. Nice. You see how this, this is going to be? Somebody out. stand behind Paul and Case. The uh, the Apollo Creed special here. Uh, can you move the camera so they can do it here? Yeah. yeah. Can somebody get behind Paul just in case. That's Ty- no, I think Tyler can handle Aren't you going to make it fair and do it left-handed? <laughs> I had Nancy hit me. Just to uh, Nancy. Okay, so you're preparing with Nancy. That says a lot. Good for you. Graphic designer punch you in the face. Okay, Rashad. Rashad, he signed a release. He was also talking trash about your mama. Uh-oh. Oh, here we go, dude. You just, you really. Yeah, we're here on the PBD podcast, and we got Rashad. Sugar so, Evans in the Paul, house. Here, Let's get ready to He's not going to get punched in the face by Rashad Evans. So we're going to see what's going to happen here. So where am I doing this at? Right in the front. Go over here. Yeah, go over here because uh, you got to start speaking Russian. Give him, give him, get him ready for the weekend. Here. Gerard, you want to get uh, behind Paul? Paul? Okay, somebody, oh, somebody, somebody say just it. go standard just in sure, case. Sure. Believe me, last time it was. Uh, okay. <clears throat> no, no, Gerard will be right behind you just in we case. Need the, uh, hey, good luck, Paul. We need the <laughs> nice to meet you. You're about to get punched in the no, face no, no, by no, no. UFC the- Hall of yeah. Famer. Oh, I'll get gosh. out. We need the Drago recording. If he dies, he, <laughs> he dies. dies. <laughs> if he dies, <laughs> he dies. Right. Paul, you ready? No, Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. Let's get the mouth guard for this guy. One sec. Who's getting the mouth guard? It's okay. Paul. I think we have one. We got to do that. Just remember, it wasn't a full... No, no, it was. I thought it was like 100%. No, no, no. I was going to say, I thought he okay. gave it like... <laughs> if Paul is trying to set himself up. You know, it wasn't a full punch in the face. Like a dragon egg? What do you 
All right, here we go. If a tooth falls out, it's... Here we go. Hang on, can okay. we get one still? Rashad Evans in the house. Hey, come on, come on. Can we UFC get a... Hall of uh, Famer about to knock out Paul Scarsega. Can we get a weigh-in picture here, chin to chin? Let's get this... It's okay, buddy. It's Let okay. Let us know it's when okay. you're ready. David. Ready. Ready. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> he said, thank you. He said, hey, hug it out, guys. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> Seven, eight, <laughs> nine, <laughs> ten. <laughs> We're out. All right, so, Paul, we need commentary. Tell us the difference. Chuck Liddell, Rashad Evans. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah, I mean, he hit me, hit me, hit me way harder. <laughs> I didn't hit uh, Holy shit. There we go. I mean, one of the good news is those, those are the 16, so when Chuck hit us, it was a smaller glove, too. And, but, yeah. I mean, You're like, feeling it, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> hey, Paul, the good news, you get the day off, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, sorry, man. Paul, you're amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, we appreciate the bravery. These gloves, you can kind of feel the knuckle coming through a little bit. <laughs> hang on, hang on. These we are need... the Tyson Fury models, man. <laughs> but, yeah. Somebody, uh, I'm, I'm somebody, get Rashad a sharpie. We got to get that like, signed. Year, you know, that would have been bad. But, oh, wow. Yeah. Can we do it again? We weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're joking. I'm joking. Okay, yeah. good. Because he, he was gonna do it to you yeah. if yeah. you weren't rolling, not to Paul. We didn't have it, Paul. We didn't have a chip in the camera. Paul, would you are like you really? tickets to... Uh, yeah. Dude, his eyes are glossed over. Yeah. It's not, this is no BS. Your eyes Dude, are glossed over. Why don't we get, you, why don't we get like Paul a seat? First of all... Paul, lunch is on us today. Yeah, why don't we get Paul a seat? You're here. probably one of the only people that's, I know that's been punched by two Hall of Famers, UFC Hall of Famers. So you ought to be proud of yourself. Put, <laughs> to nice, not get Paul. paid for <laughs> any... By the way, am I... And my mom Rashad, how do you feel week? right now about, you know... I feel bad, man. I feel bad about it. Don't feel bad. You all right, though? What was it like getting punched like uh, by Liddell in the ring? Is he the hardest puncher you ever faced? He's one of them, man. Chuck Chuck clipped me with a couple shots, and uh, it was like it felt it all the way down to my toes, man. You felt it all the way down to your toes. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. Like like just shocked your nervous system. Like an electric shock. Interesting. Wow. That's like the next the next level stuff because you've been punched a lot, and then somebody hits you after you punched. That's what happens before you get knocked out. Before you get knocked out, like you get hit. And then your feet, like you feel it down to your feet, and then you can't feel your legs anymore. And you see people start uh, getting a stanky leg. It's because they can't feel the feet. Stanky leg. I've yeah, never heard a term yeah. than this terminology. Well, yeah. Rampage term that that yeah. he, that's what he said to me after I got knocked out by Lola <laughs> Machida. So, but uh, yeah, so when you it goes to your legs, and then mm. you can't feel your legs anymore. So that's why you, the legs start getting funny, and then you go down. So if Liddell's not the hardest you've been hit, though, huh? I would say Keith Jardine was the hardest I got Keith Jardine? Keith Jardine hits like a Mack truck, man. Really? Damn. Yeah. What a name from the past, Keith Jardine. Holy moly. The mold. Dean of Mean. Yeah, this might be a good segue to talk Forrest about Griffin. who you're going to knock out this weekend or this coming up uh, fight in, what, less than 10 days. Yep, I'm fighting uh, Gabriel Checo from okay. Vegas. Uh, mostly grappler, but he's got some hands. He's, he can, you know, he can... Uh, he can throw some punches, big, bigger guy. So, and that's January twenty eighth in Miami. In Miami, do you know yeah. where the fight is exactly? The location? It's going to be at the um, the old Nickelodeon uh, mm-hmm. building. They bought that out, and they've done a phenomenal job of making it like the Apex Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a 
it's it, Habib did an amazing job. Like in it, the whole production team, they did an amazing job with this facility. Is he representing you? Are you with him now? Mm-hmm. With his camp now? Or I'm well, I'm with Ali Abdelaziz, and we're in, you know we're, we're stable mates with Ali. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's um, the, the Eagle Promotions, and I mean you know Habib, they spared no expense with this place. It's uh, state up. of the art. It's really props nice. to him. Good yeah. for him. And you wh- think he's coming back or no? You think he's ever gonna? Nah, I think man, I seen Habib. Habib was probably like two hundred and ten pounds. He's a, no, no, he's a big dude, but not in a bad way. He's just like oh, not like the Prince Nassim way. Like, nah, yeah. no, he's he's oh, got he's 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 no, big Prince though. Nassim he's big though. Really? He's just wide no, back. Just look like he's just been eating and just doing. I always know, heard that about pull-ups. Anderson Silva, man. When guys I mm-hmm. trained with, like Edson Barbosa and those guys and Dante Rivera, they'd say like Silva walks around like two twenty five and cuts down into the one eighties. Like the dude, yeah, just, he, he's a he's a big dude too. Yeah, Sharpie. That's an amazing amount Sharpie. of cut. Homeboy, what Sharpie. Should we, what should we Sharpie. expect for the fight? You said he's a grappler, no, but you're a grappler Sharpie. too. Against Diego Silva, you know, you showed the world that you could grapple, yeah. and you pulled that out of the bag. And in the strategy for that fight, what does what should we expect for this Sharpie. fight? Um, I don't know. You know, the truth of the matter is that you know he he's a grappler, so I'm sure that he's probably going to try to get me down to the ground, be on top, and try to work his submission games. Uh, but he knows that I'm a wrestler too, as well. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to be willing to exchange with me. Uh, probably try to catch me with some punches. But um, I don't know, man. It, it's just you know it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen in a fight situation, especially since I've been out for so long. And you know this When's guy the last trying time to make you fought? it. Was it 2018? Dude, this is a four three years. and four, almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, are you so excited? Are you nervous? How you I mean you haven't fought four years almost. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm all those things. I'm uh I'm I have a wave of roller coaster of emotions, but you know, this is this is why I wanted to do it, you know, to be able to feel this feeling again. I mean, there's nothing like the feeling of the fight because you know, you you're not so much fighting an opponent, you're fighting yourself. You mm-hmm. know, and that's where that's where the true challenge is, is really fighting yourself to you know, bring yourself mentally there in order to be able to bring yourself physically there. Respect. I love it. Well, um, listen, man. Well, we uh, hope we help with the tune-up with Paul. Yeah. <laughs> that was Sorry, uh, Paul. Just that was uh, – <laughs> Paul is – by the way, just to look on Paul's face, if you want to focus Paul, on Paul real can... quick, he seems very thankful. Yeah. Uh, he's extremely grateful. He seems like uh, he's got another story to tell. <laughs> Paul, you could take the headgear off now. We're no, not going to no, hit no, you no, again. No, okay. no, no, don't do that. It's holding his skull together. <laughs> <laughs> Rashad, we are 100% rooting for you, bro. This Thank has you. been awesome. You've got a lot of value-tainers out there that – Maybe I've never heard you actually get into some of these topics, and something tells me you got a whole new fan base that's rooting My for you. My man, bro. appreciate you for coming Thank out. God. This was great, and we're gonna have you sign one of these, uh, one of these out here. Pick and choose and sign it, so we know. My man was here with us, guys. Uh, we're gonna do the next podcast is when? Do we have tomorrow something tomorrow? morning? Who's tomorrow with? Who's with? John Stossel. John Stossel. Oh, John Stossel is here Adam tomorrow. And John that's right, Danielle, Adam, and John Stossel tomorrow. On the podcast, we'll see you guys there. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.